Episode 92, The Italian Job from 1969. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Tu. And this episode is brought to you by Fiat Drive Forward. Timeless Italian style. For 120 years, the Fiat brand has building iconic Italian automobiles to rise above the rest. Shout out Fiat. Shout out Fiat, indeed. It's crazy to think that in an episode about the Italian job we're not sponsored by many, but there's trivia about this, and we will get to that we'll get when, to uh, it. when we get to that in the back half of the episode, but not yet. But Mini Cooper sponsored the last Italian job episode. They did, and as far as I know, uh, no, sp- no surprise guests tonight, so shout out to the iconic Brian Rodriguez for stopping yeah, by the last little... episode. Joe, extracurricular activities since we last chatted with Brian on Sunday. What have you been up to? I was listening to the other episode from two I wasn't sure ago. if you still listened because you're not at work as much, and there's twice as much to listen to. I wasn't sure if you listened or not. I do a little uh, Justin style, and I usually listen to the intros, right? Or, like, as much as I can get into one. Like, I pull it up when it comes out, Mm -hmm. and I listen to it as much as I can get into one until the next one comes out. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Friend of the show and patron of the show, Melissa Lynham, was saying that she was listening to episode 79. She's like, it's weird to hear you guys talk about things at the start of quarantine. I was like, oh boy, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it feels weird, right? So, okay, so I was listening to that. I realized that we weren't talking, like, Jerry wrote an email and said 90-day fiancé date. 90-day fiancé, just for your sake, if you want to know, we're watching 90-day before the 90 days, not the other way. The other way comes out soon. Wait, before the ninety days is the third show? There's, there's, there's a bunch of them. So, I okay, kind of so don't want to know. Like, I want to know, but wait. I also kind of don't want to know. You have ninety day fiance, which is like the original. Then you have before the ninety days. Okay. Which feels like it's not ninety days anymore. If it's before the ninety days, it means it's well, more that's than ninety like, days. Well, because the J one visa starts the ninety days, right? So like this is like they're going to like meet the person in their country to like start doing the visa processing. Is this a show about paperwork? <laughs> yeah, it's just all it's just it's literally the office. But okay. then there's after the ninety days, then there's ninety day pillow talk, there's ninety day the other way, which is like an American goes to another country. So like there's a lot of spin offs. But mostly, it's like 90 day, before the 90 day, 90 day the other way, happily ever after or something. Okay. And so I was saying that I thought this was 90 day the other way. It's not. It's just before the 90 day. That's why they're going to the other countries. Kind of threw me off a little bit. But no, I've been watching that. And um, what else did I watch? I watched a Lifetime movie last night that I tweeted about called Psycho Stripper. I was like, oh, okay, Psycho Stripper. So like I turned it on. And it was about a male stripper. Oh, right. Killing. Oh, I saw this tweet, and I got really sad that we quit Channing before we got to the Magic Mike movies. Oh, I'm sorry. Because, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of good things that Channing did that we never got to, but, like, the first one is, is a good movie. The second one is one of my favorite movies. It's so goddamn good. I don't think you necessarily need to see the first one to enjoy the second one. At you some should, point, yeah. you and Rachel should watch both of them. I definitely will. But, yeah, so this was, like, a psycho male stripper that, like, went to this woman's bachelorette party then fell in love with the fiance bride to be and then started murdering all of her friends cool and like everyone around her yeah it was pretty good it was fun so that's what you've been up to since sunday yeah i think that's about it nothing really crazy have i watched anything of no i mean aside from this of course oh we did the mummy for cruise club which is 
one of Tom Cruise's worst movies. It's not terrible. I watched that but trailer just... you posted today, by the way. The trailer without sound, and it makes it sound like a horror film. It's crazy. It's so weird. So they, they... <laughs> when we recorded the episode last night, Mike was like, "Have you guys seen the trailer that they put out without the finished sound mix?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" And he just does this impression on the thing, and I was like, "This sounds crazy." And so this morning, when I was editing the episode, yeah. I got to that part, and I was like, "Oh, I need to watch this," and I pull it up on youtube and it's still on youtube thank god it's insane like there's no sound there's only like there's te- vocals, a temp track. there's like vocals of like the actors also is it a temp track or is it like really like what they were gonna put in for like the sound i have no i don't i think i think it's basically like a, a placeholder like this is what it's not tom cruise yelling it's just a guy yelling and that's what they're gonna fill in later okay <laughs> And well, so it's, it's a three-minute trailer, and there's basically no sound for most of it. I mean, there's sound throughout, but like... No, there's like that really low undertone, like the score. But there's no sound effects added after the fact. The score, like there's no actual swelling music. It does sound like a horror movie. It sounds creepy, but like there's so much just overt silence, and like birds are crashing into the windshield <laughs> and nothing's happening, and then it's just going like, ah, oh. ugh, <laughs> ah. Yeah. And if you, I even tweeted a picture of the of what it looks like on Audacity, and there's just blank space. Like, there's just, like, silence oh, in the yeah. trailer. Like, it's it's crazy. They should have known when that hit theaters that, like, oh, we should pull the plug right now. Like, if, if this is the quality control that we're putting out even before the movie's out, like, we got to pull the plug. Yeah. But no, they didn't, and the Dark Universe <laughs> failed, unfortunately. It was a fun episode. We recorded it with Kate Hudson, a friend of this cool. show, yeah. and a friend of High School Slumber Party. But nice. I just, right before we started recording this, I watched Mr. Show, The Kids with Beards, because Mr. Show in the 90s was a stand-up, or not a stand-up, a sketch comedy show on yeah. HBO, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, you might know as... Saul Goodman and Tobias Funke. Also, they've mm-hmm. been many, many other things. But they had about a dozen people from the original show. They had Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins and Tom Kenny, who's the voice of SpongeBob. They had Marilyn Rice oh, Cub. Cool. They had Brian Posehn. These names all mean something to me. I don't know if they mean anything to anyone else. But they did like an hour long thing. It benefited a charity. Tickets were 10 bucks. Uh, very cool. It was a lot of fun. They sort of cut in like sketch comedy stuff that they had written with just them bullshitting on Zoom. Uh, okay. It was a lot of fun. I mean, there were some technical difficulties. It was not necessarily as smooth as the two-person play that I talked about last episode or two episodes ago yeah. or whatever. But uh, a lot of fun. I'm glad that I saw it. I thank all of them for you know supporting the charity and also giving me an hour of fun tonight. Yeah, that's cool. But that's it. Like Nothing's going on. Oh, I beat Streets oh. of Rage 4. I haven't been playing a ton of video games, but I beat Streets of Rage 4. Oh, oh they announced. Note, yes, tell them what you shared with me. Very exciting. I hope it's good. That's all I'm going to say. I hope it's good. No, okay, so I, so I have more background for it, too. So, I mean, this will probably be old by the time that this comes out, but... I think yesterday they announced that they're releasing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. They're remastering and releasing this year, like in four months. Some news and notes that I got from this was that they're having most of the original soundtracks, by the way. That's important. Very important. Like, everything that they could get licensing, I'm sure that, like, there'll probably be, like, maybe one or two holdouts. But from the most part, it seems like every song is back. Well, there's nothing worse than playing the remastered Crazy Taxi, the re-released Crazy Taxi, and it doesn't have that Offspring song to kick things off. I'm like, that's, like, the that's the entire reason uh, of playing this game. Yeah. 
Um, Matt said that they got all of the programming. They bought it from the company that originally released the game. Okay. So they kept all of the controls and stuff the same. Like, everything, like, oh, all cool. of... You know how you were just saying, like, I hope it's good? It's going to essentially be the exact same game with the same maps, same distances, everything, except just look better. So as the Tony Hawk games went on, they kept adding things. Like, in 2, I think they added the re- uh, they added the manual, and then in 3, they added the revert. And between the revert and the manual, you could, like, really string crazy combos together. Yeah. I think that they've re-released, to some extent, like, the first one... And I think they added those in. Like, it's going to be... I haven't played a Tony Hawk game in probably five years, which is probably still more recent than most people have played one. It's going to feel weird if I can't, like, go up, pull an air trick, and then revert into a manual and then go off. Like, if it's, a, like, really straight up, like, the first game where there's no reverts, and there's no manuals, it's like, oh, okay. I feel like they they might kind of, in a way that Streets of Rage did, if they do it right... They might modernize it and, like, make it kind of cool, like, 98% original, but adding a little bit of, like, making, you know, user enhancements, kind of. You know what I want the most What's that? when they bring it back? is fucking anti-gravity mode cheat codes, <laughs> perfect balance cheat code, the, what was, like, the other one, like, the Spider-Man cheat code? Like, I want, like, all three of those to still be in the game so that I can play with Spider-Man, don't have to worry about balancing for, manual, for like, uh, manuals, and to just have infinite gravity, like super low gravity, so you could do like a million tricks in the air. Actually, That's on this topic, is the game that Zack Parallel Parks Dinosaurs, is that Ark Survival, whatever? Yes, okay. yes, yes. So that game Why? was on Game Pass. There was a Bing, like a, like a Bing points achievement thing. Like it's not an achievement in Xbox, but it's like a, you get extra Bing points. You download the game, you do something, right? It's like a 90 gig download. Okay. You download this game. Even on Xbox One X, like basically the most advanced video game console ever. I mean, it's not yep. as nice as, you know, high-end, high-high-end uh, like PCs, but, like, in terms of home consoles, the best out there. This shit still chugs. It's like, I don't understand how good of a computer It looks horrible. And it looks bad. It looks bad, and it's, it's slow. What's funny is that it basically just treats like you're on a PC, and so you can enter cheat codes, and so, like, it's, like, left bumper, right bumper, X and Y, and you plug a keyboard in, or you can do it with the, the controller, but that's insane. All the achievements you can get in, like, an hour and a half, I know all the che- all the cheat codes by heart. Like I just have these things burning in my brain for a game that I've never actually played. Like I just played to like, cheat and get like achievements, which I yeah. don't do anymore. But I needed for Bing. I have these cheat codes now burned <laughs> into my brain. Or like I used to do. Like there's like a really long like how to summon a pterodactyl that you could like mount and fly around. And, like yeah, I knew yeah, this yeah. whole thing. Like there's moments where I'm like this game could probably be really fun, but I'm like I'm, I also have no interest in it. It's really stupid. I I don't know. I don't get it, but. <laughs> People love it. People play it. It just seems, like, hard. Like, you, like, you get plopped on an island in just, like, a loincloth, and, like, immediately it's, like, you're cold, find warmth. It's, like, dude, I just woke up. Like, relax. Oh, all I saw was parking dinos and laughed about it, because there was, like, I don't know. And it also resets, so, like, you lose everything every once in a while. The final thing that I had to do for the last achievement was you have to... You have to tame like 90 dinosaurs but yeah. somebody you know they typed in all the things that you can like the direct thing you could do 10 at a time so i was this is insane i was going from the game into the edge browser on xbox using my controller and the keyboard to like highlight a paragraph of text copying it going back in 
pasting in 10 dinosaurs and then they all plop <laughs> in at the same time and then basically the xbox locks up and i'm like b b b b b b b b b b b and then after i do the 90 and i get the achievement now i have 90 dinosaurs like following me around like they're my cat like wanting to get pet i'm like guys stop it and what's also really fun is that like every once in a while the game just crashes it's like nope like all that stuff you just did doesn't matter like we're just going back to the xbox dashboard it's like what? Come on, man. Like, it is the worst user experience in any game that I've had in a long, long time. For, especially for considering, like, it seems like a big... Bu- like, it seems like an expensive game to make. I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that it looked like a PlayStation 1 game, and I was laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, it looks it. bad, and it still is so slow. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. We have a Patreon page on the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley mm-hmm. Gerbys, Wes Hampton, and Christian Larson for thank- for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Thank you all so very much. Thank you, if guys. If you want thank a handwritten note, stickers... Other merchandise, other swag, your choice of pit stop movies and themes, too fast, too forever.com. If you don't want to send us money, you can just email us. We have an email address on the show, family at cageclub.me. Joe, we've got like six-ish emails. Okay, cool. Send it. First email from Nick Burris. My emails can't follow directions. They seem to be lost in the air. They float in la-la land. Too many to count. Love it, though. That's the subject line. Okay. He says, I forgot last time in the minute with the oil, they just leave Ted. It's not like he's going to get back in the car. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about it. I think it'd be funny if they're like, they leave the cars. They're like, yeah, Ted, you know, use one of these cars to get home. Oh, wait, there's no engines. (laughs) And like, don't fucking sit in it because you're covered in oil, you fuck. (laughs) Like, yeah. Nick says in the last minute with the I'll break your neck, a three quarter inch torque wrench is way overkill it's huge most car related is half is the biggest yeah yeah exactly yeah i know what it means but i also don't i don't have, i mean i don't have scale i don't have context for it a half inch wrench is like a big one in your head a quarter inch is like the small r- ratchet and three quarters is huge is huge yeah okay. <laughs> that's what that's what it is just use that as scale like a normal one is probably half and then the small one in the pack is a quarter. Oh, he, then he goes on. He says, you might get into like a three quarters on semis, but if his dad was supposed to work in a shipyard, it might make sense. But still, uh, it's not smart because he would have thrown the calibration off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Since yeah. I found Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry interesting. The ending was sudden. Spoiler alert. They die. Yeah. Uh, it was unexpected compared to Vanishing Point. But if it was real, Mary killed both of them. Why? She, I think she wasn't she yapping from the back seat. <sighs> Maybe I don't remember. And like one of them, or she was like, I think I think one of them, I think the passenger turned around. No, she was giving directions. Remember, and she's like, "Go left," and he's like, "No, the other left," or something. She was, yeah, she was, she was looking at the map because they would hear where the cops were, and she would try to get them out of it. So she did drive them right into the train crossing. That makes sense. He says the Impala or any car would have at least pinned them in or crushed them. When I first saw that, I was like, "Oh no, Mary fucked up." Then I was like no way not true even my stock f-250 with 33s on it i can barely fit under the axle and it's close and i'm a smaller guy yeah you know remember she like over cranks the steering wheel and it drops on them and yes almost kills them i don't know it looked like it was kind of high we were talking about it like modern smaller cars it looked like they had some room but i honestly don't know how much space there was under that car i mean i guess you know just in nick's email i think we probably talked about on the show but like Mary just keeps almost killing them or direct actually killing them. <laughs> yeah, true. He says, I saw Cannonball Run 2, I think it was that one. The first one seems like I remember some of it, or at least parts. It's a good time either way. And Burt Reynolds and Cars are funny. Always. 
Always funny. So I think it's fair that they did the run recently during COVID because technically there's probably about the same-ish traffic as in the 70s. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And we talked about this on the episode that, like, yeah, like, people were, like, bitching about them doing the race, but you're not coming into contact with anyone, so yeah. it doesn't matter to me. So I do think that Jurassic Park and Transformers could create more of a movie and Terminator and Fast and Furious. Dinobots versus Fastinators, the epic oh. battle of tech. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, they are. They are universal. I forgot about I forgot that Terminator, Terminator. was universal. Yeah. Also, That'd be cool. what? spoiler for you, I mean, it's going to be, people are going to know by now, but Terminator 2, as predicted, won the action bracket. We're announcing it tomorrow. But now, oh. we are releasing the best 80s action movie. So right now, as this is open, we have the best 90s comedy still going, which I think by the time this comes out, will be probably in the final four. And then we're also going to have the best 80s action movie, which if you're on Patreon listening, the first round is probably open. And if you're just listening on Tuesday when this comes out, the second round is open. So go vote. Cageclub.me slash bracket. If you're bored, it's a fun thing to do. It's just mindless. People love the first round, and then people don't care as it goes on. I don't know if they just like seeing something new, or they don't get, they're not happy with what they voted on, but like just... Vote better. Vote. Do more. <laughs> I do get disappointed in the later rounds because it's not as expansive. So, like, when I get there, and I also don't like some of the choices. So, it's a combination of both. I like looking at the first one yeah. and being like, oh, look at how many options there are. And as they whittle down, I'm like, I care less. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this this movie fell out. That sucks. And right. I get grumpy about it. Well, I can say that, you know, the four of us who put it together, the four of us on the Tub Talk podcast right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network – all four of us have like a favorite movie of the 64 and they're all yeah. in the com- for the comedy one I mean. Okay. And they all made the Elite 8. Oh nice. So you guys got a shot. S- sadly, uh, my cousin Vinny got bounced by Big Lebowski, but that's that was a tough matchup. That's like the marquee matchup. If this was yeah. on if this was on TV, like that would have been the eight o'clock, the primetime game, right? It would have been those two like that's Yeah, or if you had to a- pick between those two channels, hold Yeah. Yeah, Tough. so we got that. Uh, Clueless is still in there. Groundhog Day still in there. They're facing off against each other, which is going to be tough. Ooh. And my favorite is going to face off against Big Lebowski, uh, Office Space. So. Oh, yeah, it, that's right. You do love Office Space. We're going to have two in the final four, but we can't have more than two, and we can't have less than two, because we got two against two and two against two. So Or one against one, one against one, whatever, right? So cageclub.me slash bracket. We're going to keep doing them. So if you want to just vote on things, you know, tune in, tune out, whatever you want to do, cageclub.me slash bracket, everything's going to be there. Cool. Nick signs off. Anyways, check out my taillights boy, the Gallo 12 alumni, sincerely, former oh. fast horseman, Fox Force 5 <laughs> for like five minutes, the ridiculously fast 6, shout out Adam Sandler. Well, I was thinking what that, you know, we're, we're building the Gallo 24 now, but like people are still, like you're still, Nick, you're still a four horseman. You're still a Fox Force yeah. 5. You don't lose that title. It's just no, other people don't. don't have that title. It's like you keep adding new titles underneath, right? It's like, like, the, it's like military. It's like badges in the military, right? Exactly, it's, Which yeah, is probably yeah, yeah. wildly blasphemous, but it's just like... <laughs> we didn't mean anything hurt, harmful by it. Right, you just like, keep... You meant the addition, the addition of a new stripe. Yeah. That's what you meant. Okay, our next email is from Hector. Okay. Subject line, who drove what? He says, hey, Joey's was listening to your diagnostics for the Fast and Furious. You confused what car Leon, Letty, and Vince drove. Leon had an R33 GTR, which was okay. destroyed via Crusher. Vince drove a Nissan Maxima, and Letty yes. drove a Nissan 240SX. Here's some oh, pictures of the cars. The skyline was yellow and nicknamed Big Bird. Stay fast. Stay furious. I mixed them all. I'm sorry, bud. Well, no, I think I had what, what's, what's difficult in your defense, what's difficult about it is that we're not looking at them. We're hearing other cars that what they drove in the original screenplay. And also, I don't know cars. So like, I'm not of no help yeah. to you. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're not <laughs> yeah. seeing them. We're hearing about other cars and you're trying to remember everything and just like, I kind of know. Yeah. But yeah. My brain was all jumbly. 
at near the end there when I was like trying to figure them out, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. But yes, I appreciate I appreciate you you standing up for me there. It was it's it's hard, dude, when you're not like sitting there thinking about like when you're not like seeing anything. Next email also from Nick Burris. Subject line: Nicholas Cage is dot dot dot. Dom's dad. I don't know. He's in the age. He's in the age range. Okay. Although I don't know that he is. He looks older, but like Vin Diesel, <laughs> born in 1967. Nicholas Cage, born in 1964. He's three years older than him. Yeah. I mean, Dom is like 14 years probably younger than Vin. So if Dom is yeah 40, Cage conceivably, but that would be crazy. I mean, I would I would like it, but Cage does look a lot older, man. That's crazy to me that I didn't know that their ages were so close. That's what Three happens. years like, apart. It's when you work out and you shave your head, casting. like you kind of go ageless, right? <laughs> yeah, casting too, like the roles you get. I mean, I think we nailed the perfect casting in our American Graffiti episode. If it's not Harrison Ford, I'm going to be disappointed. I know. I need it to be Harrison Ford so bad. He says, Johnny Tran is dead in the aspect of seeing a dead-looking body who was shot from a bike. Now Lance is alive and could be coming back. Now that I think about it, he kind of looks like DK's other partner I don't remember. DK Jr., and no, I'm not being stereotypical. <laughs> yes. The the pre-boss before DK is what he meant, and right. I got it. No Morimoto? Is that him? Yeah, Morimoto. I don't know if that's his real name. Is that his real name, or are you just calling him that? On the Fast and Furious wiki, Morimoto was a close friend to Takashi, DK, and is a yes. secondary antagonist in Tokyo Drift. Yes. He's played yes. by Leonardo Nam, and he is deceased. Oh, he's deceased? While chasing Han and Sean, he attempts to kill Sean, and while distracted, oh. crashes head-on into a Toyota Aristo presumably killing him instantly before being presumably killing him presumably killing him in the fast and furious wiki somebody needs to go edit that seriously dan was another deep dive with the kate dimensions family yes he was we uh, had another yeah, great pajiba guest which i think we I all love the uh, really enjoyed west west sent us a message too and we were like dude we just love all those guys so much yeah like they're all super cool people i want to go hang out with them nick sends a correction in which is very helpful we actually have another correction too another clarification he says it was Patton oswalt who did the vomit bag skit. Very good at nailing it down, even though I suck at retelling jokes or stories. I have to cut it off and say, we'll just listen to it, LOL. Oh, is Patton Oswalt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, I, never, I remember the story you were telling, like, this guy's king of vomiting on the airplane. In high school, I taped, like, one day, literally tape on a, v, on a VCR VHS tape. Comedy Central presents stand-up showdown, and they had, like, on the internet, okay. the early days of the internet, basically, they had people vote on their favorites, and they, show, they, they showed the top 25 in order. I think Dane Cook was great. probably number one. But it was, it was in a time where, like, everything on TV was really good those presents that would come out like every would they come out like every friday or something i think so fire yeah. that whole lineup i loved it yep i found a couple that i really liked there and one of them was greg Barron, who he just had a really good stand-up special or whatever graduate college i have the, my worst job of my life i start listening to podcasts i'm listening to doug loves movies and mark Marin's podcast Marin mentions that his girlfriend likes this podcast walking the room and i'm like oh walking the room greg Barron. i remember him i really like him i'll give that one a shot and the first episode i listened to had Pat Oswalt as guest and the new Pat Oswalt because everybody knows Pat Oswalt. Yeah. And I was cracking up in the office and I loved it so much. And so I guess in my brain, even though I don't think about it like this, Pat and Greg Barrett are kind of intertwined because like it was uh, kind of my re-entry into both. Makes sense. I love Pat Oswalt. I, I, I was just telling you about the KFC's Bowls of Sadness. 
Did I tell you this story? Oh, I've heard. I mean, I know the stand-up, yeah. Oh, I know you do. But, she, like, she had said something about, like, Kentucky Fried Chicken once, and I was like, have you heard, like, bowls of, se- like, the most depressing thing is KFC? And, like, I made her watch the stand-up. I'm a huge Patton Oswalt fan. And I love his wife wrote the book about the Golden State Killer. Golden I know, State before Murder. she died, yeah. And I read that, too. It was really cool. Yeah. Rest in peace, Michelle McNamara. Yeah, RIP her. Nick says, on a side note, or a more you know, suicide doors can be on any car. And he sends two pictures here, so before I go on, I'll send these pictures to you. Yeah. It says, used in the old 30s-style oh. cars, but originated on horse-drawn carriages. Even on a coupe, the hinges are on the other side of the door, so the front door opens to the back, which means you'd be getting out of your car with no protection from the door in traffic, hence the suicide name. They're yeah. really cool for street rods, but they do have them on sedans to avoid another post in between. I've never seen them on a two-door car like this before. I've always imagined them, like, I've only seen them on, like, old Lincolns and stuff, where it's, it's four doors, but they both open out, you know what I mean? So you have, like, this giant opening. So this is actually really cool. That's awesome. I've never seen this before. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, he sent two really old-looking cars with the, the suicide doors. Yeah, they're cool. He says, anyways, now check out my taillights boy. He says, the fast Nificent 7. Well, hopefully <laughs> this one will stick. Well, who knows? Brian just lit a pipe bomb in the bathroom. Somebody's getting rich. LOL. Love you guys. Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. I don't know if he's talking about Brian O'Connor or Brian Rodriguez. I think maybe Brian Rodriguez? I don't know. Maybe Brian Rodriguez. I was thinking Brian Rodriguez. I didn't even consider Brian O'Connor, to be honest. Brian Earl Milner. All right. <laughs> so then the half an email that we got was that I, I got a, a notification that Ben took the quiz again, sort of 62 questions, and he got a 55, which is really, really impressive. That's seriously impressive. My friends have been getting a lot of the answers lately, too. I'm getting kind of frustrated by it. I might have to send them the whole quiz link again to get them all fired up. I think I think we've been we've been toning them back because everybody was bitching and now everybody's getting them right. I was looking at Ben's right, and he got fifty five, yeah. which is great. He said he was. I tweeted at him. He was angry, but the most recent one he got wrong was minute fifty three, which means that he got the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He got seven questions in a row right. But that might mean that you know, like those were just like the most recent episodes too. I also, yeah, that's bad. But I also think that like I think we made them easier, but I don't know. Okay. We'll think about it. What's not one of the key selling points of cha-cha-cha? From minute 45, slaps roof of microwave. Do you know how much popcorn I could fit in this bad boy? It's really good Cuban food. And he got that right. So cool. Good job, Ben. This quiz is so good. It's so dumb and it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Man, like, really and just the way it. that like Google, the way that Google Forms does it, like it looks so, like, you know, I, I know that I'm meticulous about this, but like it makes it look even more professional. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't wait till this movie's over so you guys can take the quiz as, like, one shot. Also, if you're a patron and you have not taken the quiz yet, I think it's the pinned post. I'm going to, in Patreon, do, like, kind of, like, a welcome post and just have, like, link to the minute doc, link to the quiz, all this different stuff or whatever. But I think right now the pinned post, as we're recording this, is the quiz. So you can take the quiz. You know, at the end, I don't know what we're going to do because I don't know how you can kind of prevent cheating. I guess it'd be honor system. All you need to do is is just randomize the questions. Just put them in a mixed order. If you put them in a mixed order, I bet the, the scores are wildly different. I'm sort of not concerned because there's nothing to be concerned about here. But like if people want to ace the quiz, they could just write down like, OK, what's not one of the main selling points is really good Cuban food. Then they just have to find it. Right. Yeah. Next email. Subject line. My dad has thoughts from Emma Franklin. She wrote in again. Oh, what's up, Emma? How are you Hi, doing? Emma. She says, hi, guys. Oh, I started reading this email and I got a little depressed at the beginning and you'll see why. OK. Hi, guys. I managed to leave work at a decent time and thought. I'd send an email. That's not the part. I was very happy about that part. Okay. First up is the backstory of why I'm not the biggest fan of Tokyo Drift. And here, this is where it goes. 
I went to middle and high school in the deep south, and every single dude who used to harass me sounded exactly like Sean. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. Just like dudes sucks. being shitty. And I was just like, man. We apologize for them. I'm sorry. That sucks. She says, every time he opens his mouth, I'm instantly transported back. It also bums me out that in a movie called Tokyo Drift, the protagonist is not Asian. Fair point. (laughs) Very fair point. Yeah. Very, very fair. She says, I actually come from a family of car people. My dad spent a decent amount of his military service as an AGE mechanic. His brother slash my uncle is a race car mechanic. Cool. And my brother is an auto mechanic. I did not inherit the car gene. So it basically <laughs> sounds like she's Mona Lisa Vito, but not Mona Lisa Vito. <laughs> her uncle's a mechanic. Her dad's a mechanic. Yeah, exactly. Brother's a mechanic. Here's the story of how my 16-year-old nephew saw Hobbs and Shaw before the other movies. My mom, dad, and I have a semi-open door policy when it comes to holidays. The family has an open invitation, but don't always use it. Last year, we invited my college friends who didn't have a place to go. Very cool. Very cool. I always do this. I love it. Yeah, I invite all the foreigners that I work with that, like, don't go home for holidays i enjoy that too talked about it on here but like your the going away party that you threw for your one friend was like the like the best kind of melting pot where like basically everyone spoke like their primary language is all like different languages and they all <laughs> yes got along with each other i mean we have like a really nice community like my lab is fun so and we're very welcoming you'll get like all these people with a million different cultures and all kinds of different foods and like everybody just comes together and it's cool yeah. So. She says, we always put on a movie while the food is cooking. My friends yeah. cho- my friends chose Hobbs and Shaw. Good friends. About two minutes into the movie, my brother, not the mechanic, and his kids show up. My nephew decided that Hobbs and Shaw was an acceptable first dive into the Fastiverse, and we continued watching. Which, yeah, it is. Yeah, it stands alone. It's easy. Now on to my dad's opinions and thoughts. He's very opinionated and likes to share them. We were watching Tokyo Drift on TV, and apparently he either forgot about the movie or had never seen it before, and he had things to say about them, mostly about Sean's dad. Okay, here we go. Okay, oh, oh. First, Sean's dad is in the Navy, but there's no Navy bases near Tokyo. However, there's an Air Force base relatively close by. This made it impossible for dad to believe that Sean's dad is still in the Navy. Okay, cool. I like this. This is a good take. A military man, also a dad. Keep going. Second, Sean's dad has him fend for himself navigating Tokyo. My dad said that you don't do that. You don't send your kid out in a foreign country where they don't speak the language (laughs) and expect him to get anywhere. His exact words were, that's how they get taken and murdered. That's... (laughs) Your dad seems super practical. He's a military man. He makes sense. Japan is a very, very safe country. I know that from just experience. But at the same time, like, if I had a young son who was a juvenile delinquent, I wouldn't send him out on his own in a country that he doesn't speak the language or read at all. You know, you're going to get fucking lost and in trouble. So stop. Third, you also do not send your kid who presumably only speaks English to a full immersion school. They will not learn anything. And... Again, he's a juvenile delinquent. If he if he goes to a school and doesn't speak any English and, like, nobody cares, he's not going to try. Right. Like, they're not even, like, trying to teach him. So you're just pushing him straight into getting into trouble. Yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, it works. I mean, they, he goes right into trouble. <laughs> right to trouble. Straight to trouble. She says, by the end of the movie, my dad was firmly in the Sean's dad is a bad parent and that the writers could not be bothered to find out which military base is close to Tokyo. Ooh. She says, his thoughts on the prostitute thing were he's single and presumably on active duty. That's just what you do. <laughs> So it's not, it's just like, it doesn't matter. He's just like, why are, why weren't you here on time? Hold on. Like, even if he's there on time, he's like, hold on. That's a good take. Dad killed it. Dad killed it with the, with the last part. He's just like, I don't give a fuck. That's what you're, that's what you did. It's 
what you, she says that's what you do. Okay. Those are my thoughts. Sorry <laughs> they're long and rambling, but that's what you get after I spend an hour commuting Emma. Thank you, Emma. No, please, Thank you, please Emma. send it in. That was in. a funny email. Shout out, Dad. Thanks, Dad, for his thoughts. I appreciate them, and he gave me a good laugh, too. You did, and Dad did. Yeah. We appreciate both. Now, we've got a very short email here from Hector. Subject line, fuck five. <laughs> Body okay. of the email, hello, fuck five. Goodbye. <laughs> I like it. I, I like to imagine that Hector's talking about, like, what city is the, f- like, five? Doesn't one city be called the five? Like, what does Drake call Toronto? Doesn't he call it, like, the six? The five, I think, is, if anything, would probably be New York, because there's five boroughs, right? The six or is like Toronto. like, 305 MIAO? The six is Toronto. Yeah, the six. So I think, <laughs> what if he's just talking about just, like, a different city in Canada? I'm assuming <laughs> what he's talking about is yeah. us constantly giving him shit for hating on five, but doesn't explain why. He, ju- I mean, he, I think he explained why originally, but like he did, he did. But yeah, he's allowed to hate five, right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You're absolutely allowed to. There was a lot of things that my tastes have changed as I gotten older. You know, just keep keep. I mean, you're on wrong. <laughs> no, you you're the one who says you can never have a wrong opinion about taste. It's true, but in the, in the, in the I have one exception. <laughs> All right, our last email is from Wes Hampton. Subject line, I don't remember. Oh, I don't What up, fam? What's up, Wes? It's been too long since I wrote in. I don't even remember what movies you've covered since I wrote in last. I just listened to the Tokyo Drift episode with Dan, and that's a guy I could really dig into these movies with. When Pajiba interviews for new writers, they must have an FNF section on the application (laughs) because everyone from that site is gold on this topic. I agree. And they all have like nice deep thoughts too. And like interesting perspectives on each different movie. It's really crazy. It would be one thing if if we brought them on, right? And like Kate comes on and she like blows our minds. We bring Roxana on and she like says like the same things that Kate said. So it was like, oh, they were all talking about the same things. Like, no, they have their own individual thoughts on different movies and weird perspectives. And it's all gold. I'm always thankful about them. I think the biggest surprise of all of this is that I'm surprised that Pajiba gets anything accomplished because it just seems like they bullshit <laughs> on Slack all day. But it's awesome. Oh, I get, I agree. But just like if you're their boss, it's like, guys, come on, you're not writing about the Fast and Furious. Like, let's let's cut the check. But they are writing about the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. No. Anyway, let's go through all my notes point by point and see if I can remember what I meant when I wrote them down. Okay. Ben wrote in about his FNF crossroads theory and how Han might be involved. I don't remember what it was, but I liked it. It was about how the order of, like, one and then the other, then the other. And then in the game, it's one and then the other, then the other, I think. Yes. Right? So yes, maybe yes, they all yes, know yes, Han. Yes. And maybe Han will be in the game because of the order of that they show them and stuff. Yep. Right. He says, it makes sense that they would want to push the game to release along with F9. What's more, I plan on playing the game, but I'll be pissed if there are F9 spoilers and they release it way before the movie comes out. Well, I think they kind of adjusted that, right? Because I can't imagine the people who really know the movie have anything to do with the game. Like, I'm sure, like, when they started making the game, they're like, cool, here's the story you want to tell. I would imagine just, like, on the cluster of, like, big companies, like, I can't imagine how many layers of approval, like, I, and this is not a, a shot at Universal. I think it's, like, any company, just, like, there's, it's there's too, big. too many cooks in the kitchen. We've thought this before, that the Fast and the Furious writers didn't watch some of the Fast and the Furious movies, because <laughs> we've seen stuff that we're like, well, how did you not do this? Or, like, why did you not call back for this? Joe brought up the 24 Hours of Lemons race. I recently watched a show on Netflix called Car Masters Rust to Riches. 
that follows a custom garage in L.A. It's pretty cool because they do some really interesting and unique builds, but the drama factor is very low. One episode, they bought a car for L.A.'s 24 Hours of Lemons. Oh, nice. They bought a Sebring and turned it into a shark-themed under-the-sea bring. They even (laughs) took the windshield wiper motor and mounted it to the trunk and attached a tail to it. So while they drove, the tail was flapping side to side. <laughs> that's really cool. See, that's what I'm saying. This was this is like a fun. This is something you'd do with your friends, right? Like it's yeah. not very serious. It's, yeah, it's fun. The article I sent you about the original Furious Seven ending was interesting, and I liked your take on it. But really, what I was getting at was the fact that he said, and this could have been revisionism. Who knows? That the idea for the story of Fate didn't come about until they were trying to decide whether or not to continue with the franchise after Paul's death. So that would disprove mm. Kate's theory about Fate originally being a story for Brian. It still makes way more sense than if it was written for Dom from the start, but that's what the article said. And I think our big take was just like, the article's bullshit. Like, it just feels like they're like, oh yeah, we weren't really sure, and whatever. Yeah, he seemed really wishy-washy about it, but also didn't seem like that was the truth. Even though he's like a writer, right? Right. Joe's Etion Papa Toretto theory is pretty wild, but I did start brainstorming a few weeks ago about a story in which Giselle is brought back by Etion, and then Han has to help her break free of their control so they can be together again. That way it kind of ties Hobbs and Shaw into the main series, and we get another Han and Giselle story, since they won't give us the one we want about their time between five and six. We need it, though. They're going to cave. I think if we keep bitching at them long enough, they're going to start doing what we want. So maybe we'll just keep telling them we want Han and Giselle. They brought Han back. They're going to bring Giselle back and then we'll get Han and Giselle again. I mean, your whole thing is that they they're listening. They listen, right? So yeah. yeah. Listening to Dan made me realize something. I always heard that the original version of Tokyo Drift script was basically Karate Kid and it still kind of is. I just didn't realize how much it was like Karate Kid. Just like Johnny mm-hmm. Lawrence can be viewed as a sympathetic villain or victim. So can DK. I just Ah. hope that we eventually get a DK series that picks up with him 30 years later, like Cobra Kai did with Johnny. (laughs) They can just call it Drift King, and it would follow Takashi as he travels the world in exile, solving problems with drifting. It would be a real Kung Fu or Usagi Yojimbo story. Also, watch Cobra Kai. It's nothing like that, but it's fucking great. Yeah, he loves Cobra Kai. Yeah. We know Wes loves Cobra Kai. This is this is interesting. I would love to see like a 30-year-later DK story that he's just like drifting. He's, when would he's that the be? last that samurai. Would be 2036. So we're like, we're halfway there. Yeah, we only got like 15 years left. Not bad. You know, just hang, just hang in there. And I think it would be really, yeah, like the last samurai. He would just be like, just drifting through the desert, looking, <laughs> looking for a race. Yeah. I was always under the impression that the opening of Tokyo Drift was set in Southern California, but listening to Dan talk so confidently about it being in Arizona, I was like, but how does he know? Where's the proof? Somehow it took me this long to realize I should check the license plates in the scene. Yep, they're Arizona plates. But for the record, (laughs) it looks like California, not Arizona, and I've never seen an Arizona high school, especially one that looks like it's in a suburb pretty far removed from the city with metal detectors. Plus, we know that Wes... I don't think I don't know if he's from Arizona, but no, but he maybe grew up Mrs. There, West was there. One of them, somebody. Did. Yeah, they they're from they they've spent time in Arizona before. Yeah, many times, and also he's probably right. It probably was shot in Southern California. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah, they're not. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's a parking lot, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. On the other hand, he says my high school did have a Taco Bell and a Pizza Hut line, and even my junior high had an Arby's mm. line, so we had a little bit of West Coast influence. Wow, yeah. that's right. And Arby's in your fucking grade school, your middle school. 
school cheese. I've almost caught up on Sung's Garage, started listening about a week ago, and it's mostly pretty good. This is the podcast video series that is on Spotify and YouTube. I think it it seems like, from what we've heard from Wes, that the best way to do it is to watch it on YouTube, because it seems like they just take the audio from the video and throw it on Spotify. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he told us, yeah. He talks a lot about Han and Fast and Furious in the early episodes. He tells a lot of good stories, which I won't spoil here, but one of my favorite things he mentions is the fact that after this whole Justice for Han movement started, his agents actually collected data online about his trending status and articles written about him and presented them to the producers and basically pitched him returning like a business proposal. Now, wow. to be clear, he talks a lot about how he wasn't interested in coming back if it was just a cash grab because he feels like it would betray the trust of the fans. He's super nervous about people accepting this new storyline, even though he likes it, because he doesn't want to take the series in a direction that it can't recover from. And it's actually very sweet how concerned he seems to be about doing right by the fans. That's very cool. Anytime we get more Han, nobody's going right. to be complaining about it. And also, we've already gotten to the point of no return three, you know, Easter's ago. Like, once we brought Letty back, you know, like, and nobody's dead, so it's okay. I just thought it was funny to hear him talking about his agents presenting the stats and facts of Justice for Han. He also said that he had nothing to do with how Han returns. The story was totally Justin Lin's idea, and it isn't like anything he, Sung, has brainstormed or pitched over the past decade. Mm, cool. Interesting. I hope it's something, like, not super lame now that he said that. Like, it's, like, super crazy, and I would have never thought of it, and it's like, Han is fine. Two (laughs) brothers. Yeah, two brothers. Exactly. All right, that's it. I think I'm caught up for now. We're going to watch Tulane Blacktop with some friends this weekend. They're kind of the opposite of you guys with this movie. You didn't know or weren't really familiar with Dennis Wilson or James Taylor and just knew this is a car movie. But our friends are very familiar with them as musicians, but had no idea they did a movie in the 70s, so I sold them on that idea alone. They have no idea what it's about. They just want to see them in their peak music and drugs days. I'll let you know how it goes. Until next time, Stay furious. Yeah, let us know for sure. I'm curious to see how some people will take this. This is definitely like the most artsy film that we've covered in the classic car movie lap. I mean, Vanishing Point gets uh, approaches it in certain ways. It does, but like the flashbacks this is to like... his like dead girlfriend—that's pretty. It's pretty out there. Yeah, yeah. The I, whole I feel sequence you. where he's talking to the woman who's like not real—that she's like the angel of death or whatever—that's kind of weird. But I'm saying, but Tulane Blacktop is like film. Right? Like, this is, like, slow. It's quiet. Yeah. Just a ride-along movie. I don't know. I hope I hope they like it. I'm fingers crossed for you, bud. Hope you guys all like it. Uh, yeah. That's all the emails that we have. Family at cageclub.me if you want to write them in. Thank you all so much for very writing in. I mean, we thought yeah. in this twice a week that we were going to have fewer emails, but it's people are sending they're flooding the mailbox yeah they are and it's getting a nice mix up too like it's like there's a lot of tag teams going on here we get like emails from we're getting email and we're getting emails about other emails too which is cool yeah always i love it if you want to do a nice thing for us please go on apple podcast give us five stars write a review thank you so very much we have 21 21 ratings all five stars 11 i think or 10 or 11 glowing reviews so thank you all so very much thank you we're now doing to rock the vote i'm gonna search on google news the rock president maybe if i switch to bing news maybe he'll run for president maybe it's the power of bing that would but i feel like i can't break the streak yeah you can't mix it up now maybe next lap you switch to (sighs) bing news for a lap the rock president uh no nothing nothing Rock Hall Museum set for a June reopening, keeping the, quote, DNA of rock and roll in a safe space. Okay. Cool. cool. So I'm glad Keep... that we're going to protect the items, but not the people who are there. <laughs> and going to Google Dwayne Johnson president. Ooh, Dwayne Johnson to release a book on his life and career. That's very interesting. 
we have to read it, I guess, and uh, cover it. From 11alive.com, the book is titled The Rock, colon, Through the Lens, colon, again, His Life, His Movies, His World. Damn. Call Nate. We have to, I bet Nate knows about it. He's not running for president, but he's writing a book. So, yeah, Nate Milton, shout out if you if you know. Yeah. Oh, I meant to say before, when we were doing the correction, Mike had a correction. We were in, when we were talking with Brian, we're like, there's the there's a movie or there's a TV show where they tie a thing to oh, a axle and they blah, blah, blah. Yes. And Good, it, Mike you know, nailed it. I knew that Mike would know it, but then, like, literally 15 minutes later, we're like, so next week we're doing Gone in 60 Seconds, not that Angelina Jolie bullshit, but, like, it didn't click in any of our brains that the movie nope. we were thinking about was Gone in 60 Seconds. And so, like, yesterday or two days ago or whatever, when I'm editing it, I message Mike and you and Brian on Facebook, and I'm just like, hey, Mike, we need your help, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I think it's Gone in 60 Seconds. We're like, yep, that's it. Yep. Because we had the diner, we had the truck, we yep. had everything about it, and it's and now I can, Yeah, seconds. now I can see Cage's face with most death, yep. I think, like, like looking out at Giovanni Rabisi or whoever, right? Like it's, just, it's, yeah. it's not Mostef. It's um, oh, Mostef is from the Italian Job, right? I'm blending yes. these movies, man. Yeah, you are. Um, who is it? Master P is in, is and he's outside. He's outside. Yeah, yeah. I knew that Mostef was a good guy. I thought he was in the diner, but I think it is Rabisi, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It's Giovanni Rabisi with him, I think. Cool. Well, I skipped on the streets because I don't know if there's any news. There's, there's actually no news. Paul Shear on Instagram posted a thing, and you know, on how did this get made? They've covered the most recent five. Fast and Furious movies, since five, they've done this. Okay. Uh, Melissa sent me this on Instagram. Paul says on Instagram, I was watching Hobbs and Shaw this week, and I realized the ultimate movie needs an ultimate drink. Ryan Reynolds and The Rock answered the call. And then on the next story, he says, join me on my journey to make the ultimate Fast and Furious cocktail. And he has a bottle of Aviation American Gin and Terramana Tequila. Oh. So it's the one, it's the Ryan Reynolds Gin. It's the Dwayne Johnson Tequila. He says, this isn't sponsored this isn't an ad. This is a passion, and probably due to the fact that I just spent 62 days straight in my house. Did he make like a tequila gin drink? He didn't what make did a drink. I think like? I think maybe he's trying to find one. I don't know. Oh God, I don't know if he can mix tequila and gin. I mean, they're both clear. How bad could it be? Hey man, I'm a boozer, and even I don't want to do that. So yeah, doesn't sound good to me. Those are t- they're just vastly different flavors. Like, wait, did I tell you? So when my friend got married, I talked all about the trip to Atlantic City and I think everything like that. But when we went there, so in London, in the UK area, yeah. maybe here too, a gin slimline. So gin and tonic, but like the slimline, which is basically like a light tonic. Oh, no. Okay, so a lot of people cool. order a gin slimline. It's just basically a gin and tonic, but like less calories, right? Like it's just a healthier yeah. gin and tonic. When we were out to dinner at the Italian restaurant in the Tropicana in Atlantic City, my okay. friend ordered a gin slimline, but the waitress misheard it and heard it as gin sunrise and brought a tequila sunrise up with gin and she's like here you go and they're like the fuck is this and she's like the gin sunrise that's what you ordered they're like what and then they tried tried it It was disgusting apparently but like i just want to hear the conversation between the waitress and the bartender like one time i went to a place this is this reminds me of this that i was like i want chicken parm and fettuccine alfredo and the lady's like okay then she like brought out the plate and what is that what did that mean to you you want the chicken, the breaded chicken with like sauce and marinara, or sauce and cheese on top on a plate, and a side of fettuccine. Yeah, she brought me chicken parm, but instead of marinara, it had Alfredo sauce on it. Ew. And I was like, yeah, I was like, no. And she's like, yeah, it seemed kind of weird. I was like, how did you not think that I wanted a side of fettuccine Alfredo? I mean, like, I'm gonna this... put part of the blame on you for like mixing sauces like that, a red sauce and a white sauce, separate dishes. Yeah, but one meal. Yeah, for sure. And Rachel mixes Alfredo and red sauce all the time and makes pink sauce, which is not to be confused with vodka sauce, but mm, okay. it's half Alfredo, half red. Very good, too. Not, like, traditional or anything, but it's good. 
Okay. Uh, anyway, I don't think there's any more news. If you have any news that we've missed, family at cageclub.me. You know how to get a hold of us. But yeah. the last thing, Joe, is the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute 59. A minute, I don't know what to title it because there's so much stuff that happens in this minute. I don't know what... To, what do we call this minute? Do we call it, I live my life a quarter mile at a time? Do I think it has it, to be, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Do we call it... Cha cha cha. Do we call it food all over the place? The food all over the place ship has sailed. But no, we're going to talk about it. Minute 59. It has to be quarter mile at a time. I, like, I live yeah, my life sure. a quarter mile at a time. A thousand percent. That's what it has to be. They banned me from the tracks for life. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters. Not the mortgage, not the store, not. My team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. So in this minute, Dom finishes telling the story about Kenny Linder and shares his life motto with Brian. Yeah. Day turns to night as we see the sun set over a parking lot full of tuners. We finally get the cha-cha-cha where Brian and Mia are on their date. Mia begins telling Brian about oh. the origins of the family and how they know each other. Yes. For what is probably... So, like, okay. To normal this, people... This minute's on 11. It's slammed. To normal people, the first half of this minute is like, whoa, that's some powerful stuff. And then the back half, it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. But to no. you and me, so Wes messaged us before we started recording, and he's like, have you seen this? I was like, Wes, can't talk right now. I'm counting candles at the cha-cha-cha. Yeah. It, that doesn't make any sense to anybody who doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> but if not us, who? Who? If not now, when? Exactly. But first, before we get the cha-cha-cha, cha-cha-cha is like literally an orgy for the eyes of just sights and sounds and <laughs> colors and candles and pineapples. Before yes. we get there, let's close up shop literally on the garage. I'm wondering in my head, maybe this is just a personal thing, but I feel like when people quote that, I hear, for those 10 seconds, I'm free. But he actually says, for those 10 seconds or less, or less. I'm or free. less. And yeah. I feel like that's probably, it's got to be, I would imagine one of the most often misquoted lines from this movie. Because, like, I feel like the people just drop the or less. Like, Luke, I am your father, or something like that? Or, wait, what? Like, in Star Wars, everybody misquotes the Luke, I am your father. What do people say? That's actually not the line. It's like, I am your father. He doesn't say Luke. Oh, the three famous Star Wars quotes that were never said. No, I don't think I knew that. May yeah. the Force be with you. They also, they instead say, the Force be with you always. Luke, the Force will be with you. Use the Force, Luke. Remember, yeah. the Force will be with you always. I'd rather kiss a Wookiee and Luke, I am your father. No, I am your father. Yeah, he never says Luke. It's similar to that in my head. We're going to need a bigger boat is also not the quote from Jaws. It's, I think, uh, yeah, it's you're yeah, yeah. going to need a bigger boat. Yes. Which, yes. again, is like, this just falls in the, the pantheon of the all-time. Because like, this is probably, in all nine Fast and Furious movies, this is the quote, right? Yeah. I live my life a quarter mile at a time for those ten seconds or, or less. less. I'm free. But then, even more interesting, a line that I forget about. I feel like everybody's just like... I forget just, about it, too. They're just in that moment, right? 
Go ahead. And I think that this should be the question. Go ahead. Nothing else matters. And then Dom says, not the mortgage, not the store. Then, wow, not my team and all their bullshit. Yeah. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. And I'm like, wow, like we get a sense of Dom's stressors. It seems like the store's not doing well. It seems like he's a little strapped for cash. No, 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 no. He says, no, but he's saying... When he's doing that, though, he doesn't even think about these things. Oh, I know. I think you'd, I think you'd always be concerned about your business and your mortgage and even your family and their problems. But he's saying, like, this is a release. Like, you're, you're always concerned about these things, even on the back burner. I don't think it implies that the store's not doing great, which it probably isn't anyways, but I don't think <laughs> I mean, it you got, that. you know, what are you selling? Like, we saw the menu. Those prices are too low. Yeah, they're way too low. You got your friends telling people to eat at other establishments. Like, Vince, stop it's telling people to go them. to Fatburger. Like, <laughs> we need, they need to spend money here. <laughs> yeah, you have one customer, and your friend starts fighting them? It's a terrible business model. Disrespectful. Rachel just heard me and laughed because she just got up. <laughs> We, we can transition to this later, but, like, Dom's, like, you know, my team and all their bullshit, right? And then, like, literally the next line is, like, Brian saying, so what about this gang? It's like, dude, <laughs> he, you literally just heard him call them a team. Like, why are you calling them a gang, you fucking narc? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you nailed it, too, man. Like, what a cop. What about that gang? <laughs> what about that group of young, of young <laughs> juvenile delinquents that he hangs out with? You're like, relax there, cop. What Jeez. are the, uh, you know, these perps, you know, with their rap <laughs> yeah, and stuff, what, right? What about, what about his perp friends? <laughs> I'm also sort of surprised that he calls them a team and not a family. Yeah, true. I also do want to make note that Brian's eyes are really the bluest blue when he's listening <laughs> to Dom talk. Like, he's just, you know, staring at him with these. And I also think it's a little weird. It makes sense. But, like, Dom gives this entire impassioned speech, which is, like, two minutes, right? Like, it's the entire last minute. Yes. It's part of the minute before. It's like yes. a third of this minute. Brian doesn't say anything, and then they almost too quickly close the door. It's like, well, we got to get out of here. Like, we're, we're done now. Like, let's get out of here. It's just like, give it yeah. a minute to breathe a little bit. There, guys. He was like, okay, back to the shop. Let's keep working on that car. He's like, okay, yeah. You got a little reel about your dad there for a minute. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear that, and let's keep going. So We then have, I think, the movie's second day into night montage. I think at the very, very beginning, we see over, yes, we maybe did over get one of those. Dodger Stadium, possibly. Yep, I remember that. Yep. They're really cool. But before we get to Cha Cha Cha, is there anything else from the garage from this interaction between Dom and Brian that you want to talk about? No, I, we, I got everything on the walls that I could get. And when I saw it, I was like, I don't want to do this for the third minute in a row. There's a lot like, of wrenches got, on the walls. I know. Yeah, there's a lot of wrenches. I was like, I'm not counting them. I got it. There's a lot of wrenches. That's, I'm done. I wanted to get to the Cha Cha Cha. I do want to note that the song First Race by BT off the score ends, and then the song that's in Cha-Cha-Cha is Atrevido by Orishas, sometimes called Los Orishas. That begins, and that song is also in Bad Boys 2. Oh, interesting. I like that. You ain't seen Bad Boys 2. Oh, we gotta do a lap about cops. We can do Hot Fuzz. Oh, Cops yeah, and criminals. Do, definitely do cops. Yeah. So okay. So cha cha cha. We here we are. You know we've we've been talking about food all over the place for since I think minute forty five. I think it's been <laughs> fifteen minutes. We've got an answer now, though. Do we? We do. What do you think the answer is? The answer is decorative pineapples. Decorative pineapples and chili pepper shaped lights. <laughs> I think that that's what it means because what we assumed was. A- a buffet, right? It sounds like a buffet. Definitely not a buffet. It's not large portions. Everybody looks like they're like, you know, they look like normal sized plates and stuff. But what we do see is decorative pineapples, like multiple decorative pineapples. 
So I think food all over the place might mean decorative pineapples. Very possible. My big takeaway here what? is that it feels like the more realistic answer is the same set decorator who decorated 1327 also decorated cha-cha-cha. <laughs> A thousand percent. I but agree. I was thinking the same thing. Go ahead. I would like to think that Dom and the family, I mean, sorry, Dom and the team love cha-cha-cha so much that they're like, let's recreate cha-cha-cha at home. Let's have candles everywhere. There's a horse. Like, when we cut the cha-cha-cha, <laughs> there's I didn't a statue, the and there's, like, these two, like, collages, sort of. There's, like, one in the shape of a cross, yeah. one a square one. In the middle of a square one is a horse. They're like, okay, we need a picture of a horse for our stairwell. It really feels like they want to bring a little bit of cha-cha-cha back to 1327 with them. <laughs> candles all over the place. I really like that idea, and I like it more knowing that Mia's never been there. The Dom just like took Letty on a date once, and Letty yeah, has was she like, never I been like there. Or you of... think she just doesn't remember the name? I don't think she's ever been there because she said, "What's the name of the place that you wanted to take me to?" And he st- starts describing it, and then she continues with their description. I think that they went there as a team without Mia, and she knows came a lot about like, it. Like, okay, so one of two things: either she's been there and forgets the name, or they <laughs> which is went without stupid. her, and they described it so well to her that she knows everything about it. Yeah, you know, red, the red candles, the wood tables, like, those are not the things that you describe to someone, like, when, so, like, okay, say you and me go to a restaurant, you come back, you're like, Rachel, you gotta go to Cha Cha Cha, and she's like, cool, like, tell me about it, and you don't talk about the food, you're like, okay, here's the tables, here's the candles, they got food all over the place. You don't talk about the Cuban food. Plantain. There. That's not how you describe a restaurant to somebody who hasn't been there. I think she's been there, she no. just doesn't remember the name of it. I think that they came back amped on this place and they were like dude the candles though like that was fire they're talking about like the whole ambiance and like mia's just there because they're in her house right and then vince is like hey mia maybe i'll take you there one day and she's like oh thanks vince whatever and then like so she's heard them tell this story like we need to go back to that place like the one with the fucking candles everywhere and they're like yeah and the one with the plantain and, the food and all like over the place food all over the place and she's heard them tell this story like that they want to go back there like 15 times in front of her because they're just annoying and that's why she remembers it like it's like an almost an inside joke to herself she's like if i have to hear this fucking story about this place one more time like i'm so sick of it and then she does it and takes brian there <laughs> so so disrespectful to vince so bad it's so disrespectful yeah but he's already been there he knows what it's like inside but not with mia yeah well not he's going on dates dreams. Yeah, he's going on dates with his family there, so, okay. So I counted, there's kind of a, how do we describe it? There's like the main, it's not an altar, but there's like the main altar that we cut to, right? Yeah, there's yeah, a table. there's like religious altars. There's things set up in a small place. It's like a mini altar. Then there's a table right next to the altar. And then there's what seems yeah. like the maitre d' stand kind of in the middle of the restaurant, it seems like. Or there's just people <laughs> waiting in the middle of the restaurant. I don't know. I can't I can't figure out why there's like four people standing there. Also, we just cut by them really quick. They might not actually be waiting there. There's like a back room. Then there's like the main, what seems to be like the main eating area where yeah. Brian and Mia are in the middle of that. At the main altar, you counted 12. I counted at least, I think, 14 candles. Most of them not lit. Unlit. Yeah, it's like half and half, I would say. That's why it was hard, and it, it's panning very quickly. So I was trying to count the ones, and I, I wanted to make sure I got a solid number. You got 14, I got 12. So there's at least 12 candles, probably 14. Well, because the thing is that a lot of them don't really appear to be candles. They're just like in those glass decorative... Like, yes. this was at Larson's wedding, he gave away... I didn't know that they were for the taking. They had one, like patron saints. It was like pop culture patron saints. Like They had Nicolas Cage, the patron saint of something. I don't think they were meant to 
to be given away because he's like, oh, so many people. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. I'm sorry, Larson. I know that Larson listens. But he's like, I hope that you took the Nicolas Cage one. I was like, I didn't know that I could take them. I didn't. But like he had those, like it's the commemorative. If you think of like kind of decorative candles, it's like the hand painted outside of a glass case, right? Like the Mexican, the Mexican candles that like have like the, like, you know, a saint on the front of them. They're votation. Votation candles? I don't know. There's saints all over the place. Saints all over the place. What's the word that I'm looking for? Fuck. Damn, I just washed out all of my grade school. I do feel like cha-cha-cha is like the perfect blend of all of your past expertises or yours and Rachel's past expertises. There's a lot of Catholic imagery. (laughs) There's a lot of like Mexican restaurant imagery. This is kind of the coalescence of your two, not that your main focus, because yeah, there's your main focus of Fast and Furious. Like, let's be real. And Rachel's is not Mexican food, but like where you <laughs> yes. guys have a real, like a, a history and a depth of knowledge deeper than most other people. <laughs> it comes together in cha-cha-cha. It's, I know it's such a blend. It's such a blend of our histories, right? Mm-hmm. Even though neither of us are Cuban, Mexican, or very religious. You're both but, very that's... white. You are both very white. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like, we really nailed it down there. I actually made her, like, watch this part of the minute. I was like, do you want to see the cha-cha-cha? She's like, yeah. We watched it a couple times. <laughs> I also counted, so we know this is a Friday night, like, at 10 o'clock, right? Because it's, like, a really late date. There's at least 38 people in this restaurant. And it seems like everywhere that there could be a person, there is a person. There is. There's a lot of people in this restaurant. It's slammed. I'm yeah. sad that we didn't see what they're eating. Well, not yet. Maybe, I mean, there's going to be No, work. no, you're the other way around. We're watching the end of the date. Because they have coffee on the table already. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. shit. It's Brian's coffee. Exactly. They're already done with their food, and now they're talking. Damn. Okay. Like, they're drinking a coffee to prolong the date. Because they have two waters that are, like, half drank, and then a coffee. Like, you're not ordering a coffee at the beginning of a date on Friday at 10. They just got a coffee so they could, like, hang out more. From here, we go, and Mia drives him home, right? And she drives yes. for, like, one of the first times, the only times... In the franchise, I think, right? So yeah, cool. Well, up until this point, then she drives in other movies and stuff, but yeah, but not not a ton. I mean, a little bit. Not like a ton. The four, beginning of five, to break yeah. Dom out, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Anything else before we come up with? I feel like this is almost certainly a multi-trivia question minute, but I don't know. I mean, anything else you want to it's say not. before we get to the trivia questions? It's not. No, no, no. I want to. I want to get to the trivia questions. So do you have one? I have one in mind, and I need your help on wording of it because I can't think of the right way to word it. The question is going to be: What is something that does matter when Dom? is racing but we can't say it like that we have to say like what i want to ask is dom says not the mortgage not the store not my team or their bullshit matter we need to be like which one of these is not something that also doesn't matter during the race what worry is not erased from dom's mind when he races that's good that's it thank you that's what i needed and it's his mortgage the store his team, and their bullshit. And all their bullshit. <laughs> and all their bullshit, yeah. And then we need, like, one that isn't worried. The memory of his dad. Can you imagine if, like, every time you drove, you thought about your dad dying in a car accident? Like, you would never drive. <laughs> yeah. So memory of his dad, really mortgage, store, team. Yeah, Is it? does that work? Do you have a better answer than memory of his dad? No, I think that's good. I think it's another easy one, but, you know. No, okay, so the, how can you make it harder, though? I don't know. I don't know that we can. Or you can do the your real thing that, like, what is the proper line? Like, for those 10 seconds or less, for those 10 seconds, you could do that. I think I think we're okay. I think we can – I don't think we have to overthink this. I think we're good. Okay. I mean, the name of the minute is I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Minute 59. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a powerhouse of a minute. It was. It was a really good one. It was two different sides of the coin, but I liked both, so. Yeah. Well, Joe, let's take a break. Let's hear another word from Fiat, and then let's talk about – 
The Italian Job, 1969. This is episode number 92, The Italian Job, the original. This episode is brought to you by Fiat with Standard Turbo Performance. The Fiat brand invites you to embrace your inner race car driver by including a turbocharged engine in every model. The Fiat 124 Spider Abarth offers unmatched power in its class with class-exclusive multi-air turbo I4 engine. Thank you, Fiat. Thank you, Fiat. And... Before we get into the Italian job, here's the trivia that I want to share. So, like, everybody knows that the Italian job, the iconic, both the original and the remake, yes. all about the Mini Cooper, right? Yes. So, BMC, the British Motor Corp, owners of the Mini, refused to donate any cars for the movie. The chief of Fiat Motors, however, mm. offered to donate all the cars needed, including Fiat 500s, in place of the Minis. Director Peter Collinson, however, decided that, as it was a very British movie, it should be British Minis. Yes. Fiat's boss still donated scores of cars for filming, as well as the factory grounds. And even though the authorities refused to close the roads, this is very weird and very cool, the Italian mafia stepped in and shut down wow. entire sections of Turin for filming. So the traffic jams of this movie are real, as are people's actions during it. Wow. Right? That's so cool. I didn't know that. That makes it even cooler. Yeah. Damn. So this movie is, un- in-, in a regard, it is basically the British versus the Italians or the British versus, like, the rest of Europe. Yeah. This movie has been voted the best British movie of all time. I don't know if I would go oh, cool. that far, but I fucking it's love good. this movie. I love this Dude. movie. Dude. It was so good. I couldn't believe I waited this long to watch it. It's it's just joyous, right? It's just fun. So I will say, if you want to watch this, I don't know if this movie is in the public domain. I don't know what's going on with it, but it's free to watch on both Crackle and Tubi, which are legal I watched movie it on watching Crackle. sites. They have ads, though, right? If it pauses every once in a while to do ads. Yeah, but it was it was kind of painless. It was like I think there was like three sets of ads, and they were four twenty second ads. That's not bad. It's also on the Criterion channel right now, which they they do like a two-week trial for free. Um, so there's lots yeah. of ways you can watch this legally for free right now. It's never been on Blu-ray in America. I think I don't know that it's in the public domain, but I feel like people just don't... Whoever owns the rights to it probably just isn't interested in making a ton of money. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's really disappointing because, like, I want to own this movie on Blu-ray. Like, I love this movie. It needs, like, a good remaster. How is it on Criterion whatever, but not a Criterion Collection movie? So I asked, so I asked my friend Bob, who I've talked about on here, he's in Tub Talk, and he's in our okay. fantasy baseball league. He's like Criterion Channel rules. He's like it's the best streaming service. And I was like, so do they have all their movies on here? He's like, no. He's like, actually, most of their movies on here aren't Criterion movies. They're just like other movies that like it's a curated collection. Apparently, every month there's like a massive like crossover. Like they Drop. just like do an entire new series. Like not all movies, but like bunches and bunches of new movies. So I don't know how they curate it, but like. It works. It's cool. I mean, this is great. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, like, that's really cool. If it has this movie, that's cool by me. Yeah. When we covered the remake Italian Job, when we knew that Handsome Rob was Deckard Shaw and whatever, they could throw away Joke and Hobbs and Shaw, and I talked about how 
when we covered it for Watch the Throne. I hated it because it treated Charlize so poorly. And yes. I liked it a little bit more for this because I wasn't explicitly watching for her. Watching this movie makes me hate that one even more because, like, <laughs> it feels like such an absolute... Like, they're not... And I, I also went through the trivia of that one, and I'll compare it at the end. But, like, it feels like even more of, like, a fuck you. Like, let's just make this glossy thing where, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, this movie is a comedy. Like, it's funny. It's so it's funny. It's a comedy. It's a yeah. caper. It's so goofy. Michael Caine as the star is so good in this movie. Dead on. I love it. I love Michael Caine in this movie. It's just so good, and it makes me like the new one even less. Damn. Well, I mean, fine. that's fine. I mean, I don't know. We're going to see, you know, on Friday when we do Gone in 60 Seconds, we're going to see what, you know, oh, if, I that, know. if the Angelina Jolie bullshit. I know. I don't know, man. And it just, like, it starts great. You know when I knew this movie was a great movie? When I messaged you last night when I was watching it, it was the first scene. I was like, this movie starts bananas. Yes. I knew before the first scene even started. Why is that? Because as the credits are rolling in the beginning, the pre-credits, right, they have a credit for Michael Caine's tailor. <laughs> and it just says, Michael Caine suits and has a guy's name. And I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. Because if you have to give credit to the suit guy, like to his tailor in the beginning, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can already sense that something strong is happening here. We talked about an American graffiti about how George Lucas didn't have money to pay everybody. And instead of that, that he gave like them credit names in the in the closing credits, right? It's like used to be just department heads, and then he just credited everybody because they're like, look, we can't pay you, but your name's going to be in the movie. People were like, cool, whatever. And so that's why we have long credits now. Okay. I watched an hour of this last night, and then I was starting to get tired. I was like, I don't want to be falling asleep as I watch this movie. Like, I want to enjoy this movie. So I paused it. That's and I so watched... funny. I did the exact same thing today. I was like, I watched like an hour of it, and I was like, you know what? No, I, I want to watch this again with full attention, and I want to watch it with Rachel too. So I actually started from the beginning after I was an hour in. Right when they got to Italy, I paused it yeah. and like went back and yeah. rewatched it with like 35 minutes left like the heist begins and i'm like yes oh shit like, is this gonna be a 35 minute i'm like there's no way it can be and like it kind of is which is it kind of is amazing yeah. a lot of times when i'm watching a movie i like to know how much time is left i went to hit like the check the time and i did i'm like i don't want to know like i, I don't want to know when this is going to end and <laughs> yeah. what's cool about it is that it's one of those endings where like the closing credits is like 15 seconds right because it's just like all the important yeah. credits, like the, the tailor, like the suit spy, is in the opening. And at the end, it's just like, yep. here's the department heads. We're, we're done, right? And uh, yeah. So very quickly, the Italian job. Michael Caine gets out of prison in the beginning of the movie. Well, you skipped over the first part of this. Okay, so th the movie begins with this car, like, driving slowly up the Alps. Not slowly, but, like, he's, like, you know, he's A Lamborghini Mira. A very famous Lamborghini. And so he's driving up the Alps. He's driving up this, like, really, really windy road, right? Credit's going, and, like, I'm like, that's not Michael Caine, but Michael Caine's top build. I'm like, I wonder, like, is this, is he, like, a friend? I don't know who this guy is, whatever. Yeah. Two minutes into the movie, this car fucking explodes. Like, he just crashes straight on into a bulldozer. Again! Into a bulldozer! Yeah. Finishing point, dude. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, we have all the pieces again! It starts with an explosion. I was like, where is this movie gonna go? <laughs> and and then, then they zoom out, and, like, the entire <laughs> Italian mob is like standing on this bridge like with guns ready to shoot whoever enters it's like what is happening and then they take the bulldozer and just push the car down the hill this movie has so many cars rolling down hills it's incredible <laughs> they love apparently the mob love throwing cars off a, off a hill and you know what like, 
I love watching it. I do too. I, it's there's something so like poetic, like dancey about it, right? Like a car rolling down a hill and you see it like hit and skip and stuff. It feels yeah. it feels good. Man. So then we cut to prison and Michael Keane's getting out of prison. And there's like okay. the warden is this guy, Mr. Bridger. We don't really know, but like they're friends or something. Like he's basically Who's Mr. Bridger? He's the main guy in the prison. He's the one who's like dancing through the prison at the end. They're like, Mr. Bridger, he did it, he did it. No, but he's not the warden. I thought that he was in jail. Is I think he's another prisoner. He's a prisoner, but he's just like he's like the head mob. Pr- like you know, like the thing that like in Goodfellas. Yeah. When they, okay. Like, go okay. To jail. That, makes, that makes more sense. He's a crime boss that is in jail, so he has like free reign of the prison. Okay, that's why he's not like he has like the private bathroom and whatever. It's not even like a private bathroom. That he's like because he says to like the guards, like you know, at the one point, like, "How's your new house?" And he's like, "Oh, I love it." And he's like, "You're welcome." And then the dude just leaves. (laughs) Yeah, he's the crime boss. Because it's also it's also weird that like as Michael Keane's walking out, Mr. Bridges like, "I hear he's gonna go doing a job in Italy." He's like, "I hope he likes spaghetti." It's like, why is the warden? I was like, why is the warden talking about like the next crime this guy's gonna commit? That's weird. (laughs) This makes more sense. Okay, so Michael Keane gets out of prison. He then, for the rest of the movie, basically like fucks his way through Europe like there are just women <laughs> naked everywhere in this movie James Bond levels of fucking your way no, through like Europe. James Bond would be jealous of Michael Caine <laughs> like he gets picked up by this beautiful woman who stole the ambassador to Pakistan's car she yep. drives him to this hotel he gets this note that says meet me in this room at like four o'clock or whatever right and he goes up to his room and it's no joke a dozen women in lingerie that have yep. been brought there by his seeming girlfriend or something? Yeah, his American girlfriend. <laughs> and she asks him, now what would you like? And he just says everything. And we cut away. Because <laughs> he just fucks all 12 of these women. Then he goes <laughs> up to the bedroom. He goes up to the other, other hotel room that he's supposed to meet this person at 4 o'clock. And there's this woman in there. And she like pulls a gun on him and she's like, my husband's dead. It's the guy who wrote, who made the video for him? Yes. It's his, it's his wife. Right, yeah. Because the woman pulls the gun. She's like, my husband's dead. He left this for you. I'm leaving in the morning. This is yours to take. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll see you later. She's like, wait, I still got four got hours four to hours. kill. And he sits <laughs> yeah. down and starts getting, starts getting undressed. I'm like, what the fuck? And then like later in the movie. Wait, and then like two scenes later. <laughs> we cut back. We cut to his like apartment. And then the girlfriend gets there. And then we just see three like naked, not naked women, but like girls in their underwear, like run out of the building. And he's like, <laughs> I thought you set this up for me. She's like, no, that was the welcome party. Like now it's just <laughs> us. But he's just getting his dick wet the entire movie. And it's like, okay. It's Alfred from Batman. Oh man, it's so weird to see him as like a sex object or sex symbol or whatever. But like, but it kind of makes sense. He plays it. Yeah, it's he's like so cool about it. It's like so nonchalant that it's like, yeah, I can see it. So the tapes that he picks up from this hotel room after he bangs this woman, this guy that dies in the opening scene has basically planned the ultimate heist, the Italian job, right? Yes. And so he orchestrates this entire thing from beyond the grave. But he's talking to Michael Caine. He's like, "All right, Charlie, here's." what we have to do and yep. he's like you're gonna start here and he's like in the square where they're gonna pull the job he's like right down there and like the this piazza. is it's a level it's a piazza it's a piazza joey the piazza did she talk not a square it's a piazza <laughs> when he yells at him about it he's like hey, we're gonna go to the square and he's like it's a piazza piazza palazzo di chita or whatever yes he like does like a level of planning for this which seems remarkable everything is laid out and then michael Caine assembles the world's biggest team it's like 20 guys deep like they're all in on this plan. And then they pull the Italian job, which is $4 million in gold that has been flown in, and they're bringing it, and so they figure out a way to, like, just essentially like Fate of the Furious, where they create a traffic jam to attack a convoy. They create a traffic jam to attack a convoy, steal $4 million in gold instead of the nuclear suitcase, 
get away and then you know they drive off and then we're gonna get to the ending at the end because the ending remember last episode brian was like i want to hear we have to say about the ending, but we'll get to there later. A third of this movie, a solid third of this movie, is the Italian job. A third of the movie is is the heist. Yeah. I have never seen a movie in my life that encapsulates the Italian people so well as this movie. The cops are so goofy, <laughs> but they're like also very like stern and proper, but they're also boneheads. The way that the streets don't really make sense... The way that you can drive in between and the huge doors and just like how everything is like snooty but also doesn't make any sense. It's perfect. I loved it. The whole time I'm watching it and they're like just fucking with the cops. I was just like, these people are so Italian. I was like, Rachel, they got real Italians to do this movie. This is this makes the perfect sense to me. And what's funny is that it's kind of the outsider, like it's a British director making this movie, kind of not making fun of Italy, but kind of making fun of Italy. It's just like, look at these oh, yeah. cops. But it's perfect. Like, I've never seen something that felt more real to me than seeing, like, all this goofy shit happening and the Italians just being, like, grumpy. And, like, also, like, like when he, when they're, like, driving the truck into that, they're driving the Fiat truck into the thing, like, as a battering ram, right? Like, the delivery yeah. truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. the car falls <laughs> off. Well, one car falls off kind of hard I mean, it ruins the car, but then yeah. the second car falls off right onto a cop car. And the cop's reaction is like, oh, and he just touches his <laughs> face and like walks away. I was like, that's something. Like, that's, like he doesn't it, say it, but he's basically like, oh, mama mia. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just like the look on his face is like, oh. And, and like when he did that, I was like, this is perfect. This is a perfect movie. <laughs> What's also super funny is that like they're, they have the Fiat car and they're like bashing to this door, but they don't realize that like there's the back way out because they all leave through the back. They're just like, we're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like when they drive the cop up to this roof, and there's only one way up, and the cop gets out of the car, and then they just drive at him and drive down. That was so cool. It was so, like, they they go on this roof, and I don't know why there's a <laughs> ramp up to the roof, other than maybe they're doing construction work up there. I don't know. I have but no roof, idea. Like, it's not like the Sydney Opera House, but it's like, imagine, like, that's the closest thing I can describe. It's like, yeah, curved true. roofs, and like, you can't see all angles at all. Like, it, like it, it overhangs. Yeah. And so all three Mini Coopers that have the gold in it go up there, and the cop follows them up, and they go, like, left, right, and center, and they all go basically past the horizon, right? Yes. And the cop, for some reason, parks and gets out of the cop <laughs> car, and then all three of them just haul ass out well, of Well, he, t- he parks at the top of the horizon, gets out of his car, yeah. and they all and basically walking. drive at him to taunt him, and then leave. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. Of the last half hour of the heist, like 20 minutes are just them losing a cop every 90 seconds. We're going to lose this cop in the water. We're going to lose this cop on top of the building. We're going to lose this cop because he's not going to make the jump. We're going to lose this cop because he's going to hit the gate at the bottom of the subway, like the sewer. Like we're all these things, like it's just one cop. Like they're never like being pursued by like 15 cops. It's always just like one cop every 90 seconds or two minutes and then just do a thing cop falls once again off of <laughs> off a bridge into the river because that keeps happening yep did michael kane his character in this movie reminds yes. you of anyone in the fastiverse i think that it has to be handsome rob yep. right mm-hmm. handsome, rob, has to be handsome rob. yep that's what i wrote down it can't be anybody else he, he's it's too many notches it has to be handsome rob we know he's got the history with beautiful women when he just makes out with isaac gonzalez with madam m yeah the british thing a definitely car thing he said he's handsome rob yeah you know what i mean so it would make sense that he's also the main character that it's it's just so much yeah. yeah i also like that he stores money in the bonnet of his car it reminded me a little bit of twinkie storing money in his, in the taillight oh, of his car just like stashing cash yeah, yeah yeah very very true i was gonna ask you something yeah we get the professor right and he's good with circuits they said like we need to call in a guy who's an expert in computers i was like 
Okay. We're oh, the guy who's in. like his favorite thing in the world is just like heavy set women. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves he loves them big. Yeah. is what he loves. And I was thinking that's something we actually don't have in the Fast and the Furious. What's Why that? don't we have like the goofy hornball who's kind of harmless? But it's just like just chase and tail, you know what I mean? Like the guy that's only in it for women. Roman. Like I guess we kind of have Roman. It's 100 percent Roman. Like Roman doesn't have a he no. doesn't have a purpose on the team anymore. He's just there for the comic relief at the chase after Ramsey. Like that's the only reason he's around. Yeah, but he's only chasing Ramsey. Like I wanted a guy like and like Roman. Like no, but Roman loves money and hates jail. Right? I want a guy that's just like a hornball. Like essentially like the what's his name like. Dwight likes feet. Like, a guy that would just be like, oh, man, like, constantly getting in trouble because he's, like, talking to girls. Like, it's a combination of, like, Roman's dumbness and Hans talking to women and drawing women in. I want some guy that's just, like, bad at it, but also just chasing women the whole time. Well, I think to the point that we made last episode about I wanted there to be more pranks in these movies. I feel like that's the kind of thing that yes. you see in Hobbs and Shaw, a character like Dinkley or like Locke yes. or whatever, right? Where it's just yep, Ryan Reynolds yep. or Kevin Hart just like, hey, ladies, like, what's up? And they're like, get out of here. Like, whatever. We don't. We're yeah, but he's like, oh, do you see them? Like, yeah. oh, they love me. You know what I mean? Like, or like, I like big women. Like, I would love to see Kevin Hart play a character like the professor in this. Oh, and you're right. And he's the tech guy in Hobbs and Shaw, right? Yeah. So he could definitely be like really into big women. And that would be hilarious to me. Just, his his motivations are always to like to chase women. Like I'm not gonna do this unless you put the convex mirror up on my flagpole so I can see into this girl's room. There's a couple lines that char- that Michael Caine has very early. Go ahead. Um, when he's on the phone, I know you got one. When he's on the I phone. They say, but Charlie, he's talking to Mister. I think he's talking to. I remember he's talking to Mister. Bridger. He's talking to somebody like maybe the financier or whatever. He's like, yes, he's talking to Mister. Bridger's underling. Right. When he calls the company, yeah. And he's got the three women just like taking notes of everything he says, and he's like. We got the biggest job. He's like, but Charlie, you wouldn't even know how to spell big, and he hangs up. And then we cut to Michael Caine. He just goes, B-I-G, big. And he just, like, shrugs. <laughs> like, it's like, almost like a Rodney Dangerfield, like, hey, I get no respect around. It's just like, what? <laughs> Why? What? That that was, like, one of the first, like, real comedic lines that I laughed at in this movie. Like, the other ones were, like, leading up, and I didn't know if it was, like, a fully a comedy or not. And I was like, oh, I'm finding this enjoyable, but, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh. But when he's like, B-I-G, hey, I was like... <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is definitely a comedy. You skipped over the one where he's like, oh, you look like you put on a few pounds. And he's like, I was in America. The bread and the hamburgers adds weight. (laughs) It's the same scene where he gets busted by his girlfriend and the cops show up. And then, like, bang, because she's, like, yelling at him, yelling at him, and, like, they bang, 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 and she's like, oh, the police are here. It's not the cops. It's Pritchard's men. But she thinks it's, it's the, the cops. She's like, it's the law. She thinks it's the cop. Yeah, yeah. it's the law. They break in. They say, <laughs> they're like, you know, we're going to beat you up or whatever. And he goes, you wouldn't hit a man, <laughs> you wouldn't hit a man with no <laughs> trousers on, would you? And he says, okay, so put them on. Like, basically, put on pants so I can beat the shit out of you, which <laughs> yeah. is, like, a funny thing to do. I like it. Like, hey, wait, wait, wait. Take, let me take a break for a second. Then you can beat me up. You also know that this is a comedy when, like, he's interviewing, I don't know if it's the mom or what, of the computer guy, right? But it's Michael Caine and the other guy, and they're just sitting talking to this old woman, and she's just blabbling. She's babbling, 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 whatever. And we cut to them, and they both just have a cat on their laps, and they're just, like, <laughs> chilling with, with a cats. bow. With a bow, yeah. <laughs> like, dolled up cats. I'm like, oh. Okay. And they're like, what did he do in the lounge? And they keep like looking at each other. And she's like, you know. And he's like, no. <laughs> there's a there's a very big difference here between them and the family, though, I feel like. Because this, this kind of feels like, and also it makes sense this feels like Fast Five because that's the Brazilian job, right? Like, Yes, yes, yes. We kept saying that after the Italian job, they wrote a screenplay, they wrote a sequel. That was going to be the Brazilian job. 
this movie ended in a way that they were going to do the Brazilian job for this, too. So, like, it never happened, obviously, but, like, yes. it's just always been gone back in time. But, like, there's the scene where in Fast Five they're doing, like, the race, the, the, the circuit through the warehouse to, like, see if they can get past, like, you know, the, the, yep. the cameras for the cops. And here they're racing the minis off that ramp, and they just yep. keep crashing, they keep messing up. And then there's a scene where... Michael Caine says, how many cars we got? He says, a couple, Charlie. And he, like, puts his hand on his head. He's just like, send the next one up. Let's hope he gets it right. It feels like they don't have a ton of money. They're like, these idiots keep wrecking cars. Like, we don't have infinite money. Like, it feels like the family yeah. can just get whatever they want. They're like, oh, yeah, we need this, like, $10 million safe that's, like, so one Tish of the world. So just goes buys right? them. Yeah. yeah. We're like, no, oh, don't worry about it. We know a guy. But it's like, here, it's just like... Oh, like, we've only got, like, eight cars. And then the mafia, like, ruins all of them, right? They have to, like, figure out a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, well, because they had three fast getaway cars in case shit broke bad, right? right? That, that was the plan. They were going to put three fast cars at, like, the end of the piazza. And, like, if things break, they run to those cars and they drive off. The mafia destroys them. As Are they, they negotiating with the mafia or they're just doing, like, a dry run and they get, they get trapped by the mafia? Oh, because they just arrived on the boat and they're driving to Turin. And it's, like, the one-way-in-one-way out thing. Gotcha. Like, okay. The, the mafia is just like, oh, you have to go through this tunnel to get there. We know that they're coming, so we're just going to wait at the tunnel. Right, okay. Did you catch possibly the biggest line fast action in this entire movie? Oh, no, what was it? It's at the tunnel scene, right before then or whatever, and one of them says, you think you can pick it up, because they're talking about the gold, right? Like I think it's, I think... If I remember, this is the mafia boss talking to Michael Caine, because Michael Caine's like, oh, we got the perfect plan, we're going to steal all his gold, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The mafia boss says to him, you think you can pick it up just like a bag of groceries at the supermarket? Ooh. And it's like, I wrote down, are they picking up Owen Shaw? Because remember, at the beginning of Six, Yeah. Hobbs says to Riley, you don't just pick up Owen Shaw like he's groceries. And like that's got to be yes. a reference to this. It has to be a reference to this. Wow. Yeah, you really nailed it. Jeez. And then the only way that they get out of that is basically Michael Caine's like, cool, you can kill us now, but then my boss in England is going to kill, like, basically chase every Italian, every (laughs) business owner, every shopkeeper, everyone of anything, all get the fuck out of England. And the guy's like, all right, I guess you can pass. Yeah. He's basically like, it's going to be war unless you, like, we're not even stealing from you. We're just stealing from your government. Like, we're not, we have no beef with you. Just, like, you kill us. Like, all of your expats are going to be, you know, in a world of hurt. It was also kind of cool that the mafia guy was like, that would suck. Not like, well, fuck them. They're not here. You know what I mean? He's like, I have to, I have to support the Italian peoples, even the ones abroad that aren't in the mob. I have to support them too. Yeah. I think it was really funny that at one point, Michael Caine, like, he, they, they go through this entire plan, right? They're, like, he's, like, quizzing people. He's, like, all right, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And then, like, he's, like, all right, just remember one more thing. In this country, they drive on the wrong side of the road. And everybody's, like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. I also like that the English like to say that it's the wrong side of the road when everybody else drives on the right side, besides, like, Australia. Yeah, there's, like, like four countries or whatever that drive on the left side. Or, and then... <laughs> yeah, they drive on the wrong side of the road. You're like, no, they don't, you dummies. I like in the heist when they're getting away and the one guy steals a chicken off a tray. Like, they're driving yes! to a restaurant. He's just like, oh, food. Oh, my and he God, just, like, it's grabs, so good. He basically just, like, scoops 
an entire chicken breast. No, it's a Cornish hen. It's like a it's like a game hen. Like the whole hen, yeah. And we didn't even see him eat it. We just see him scooch. Like, hey, hey, food. And it's just like, no, hey. we see it later when he's like, hey, make a wish. And he pulls out the oh, wishbone. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. As he's riding along. Like, sure. I liked when they were crisscrossing down those stairs as the wedding oh. is getting out. And no one gives a shit from the wedding. They're like, oh, we've seen this before. But it's <laughs> Very like, Italian. Mini Cooper, Mini Cooper, Very Mini Italian. Cooper, cop, cop. And they're all just like zigzagging like feet away from these people they're like yeah all right you know we're just taking pictures it's fine when that's like they encapsulate the italian people so well like there was a wedding and then two cars start driving down the street and they're just, like down the steps of the church and they're like yeah okay get the pictures we saw it twice <laughs> last week yeah it's fine yeah. <laughs> whatever i think and we're gonna get into the specifics on the trivia when i read it again but i think a lot of the getaway was filmed on the premises of the fiat factory because i mentioned that before yeah but i think like, the jumps, like, when they jump from one roof to the other, I think that's part of the Fiat building. And there's, like, that rooftop racetrack. That's at the Fiat building, I think, too. Like, yeah. there's just all these things that they're basically, like, what can we shoot on, right? And so they're doing all these, like, Perfect. crazy stunts, and they're doing all this driving. And it feels like Fiat was just like, hey, guys, like, whatever you need. Yeah, which is fucking genius, by the way. Shout out Fiat, because that's a baller move. I would have done the same thing. It's like the best publicity ever, right? Like, if this movie sucks, nobody sees it. If it's great, then everybody's going to love it and be like, oh, they talk about Fiat's the whole fucking movie. Right. Because, like, you know, we talked about when the Italian Job remake came out, like, Mini Coopers, like, the sales of those skyrocketed because they're like, oh, look at these cool cars. Like, you can drive through hallways and houses. Yep, exactly. One of the coolest things about the entire heist is when they go into that parking lot and they all back into the parking spaces and they just let the cop go by and then they all pull out and they just go back the way they came. Like, I'm like that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool move then i love like when they're actually successful like he, he makes the call or whatever right and he calls the prison and they're like they've done it mr mitch and they've done it sir and he's like done what the job sir and then like they basically use like this whole like song and dance number and like he like dances through the prison <laughs> as the entire prison's <laughs> cheering for him and it looks like sort of spoiler but not really the end of paddington 2 has an entire song and dance number at a prison and it looks like the same prison and i'm like this is just like if paddington 2 really? is like, lifting things from the italian job it's like oh Cool. Even cooler. Yeah. yeah. Damn. I loved it. It's like, why the fuck? And all the other prisoners are like cheering him. But like, why would you be? I don't know. It's not like he's like paying the other prisoners, right? You're just no, like, I think they, yeah, all just hate, they love him and they hate Italians. I guess. Yeah. I think at the core of this movie, there's a really fundamental anti-Italian racism. <laughs> yeah, there is. There definitely is. I don't know why, but sure. So, okay. So they're racing back to drive the gold back to England, right? Like through the Alps. And they're at the tunnel. They're getting to the tunnel again. I was like, oh no. Like, I'm, you know, you're envisioning like the mafia is going to be there again. They're going to go back on their word, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like they drive all three Mini Coopers into this like long bus. Right. And they empty the gold out. Yes. And they put the gold in the bus. And then as they're driving up the mountain, they put one Mini Cooper out at a time and they tumble it down the mountain. And we see each of these in beautiful detail as it tumbles and tumbles and tumbles. Oh, one yeah. of them like hits one rock and then instantly explodes. Explodes. Just, just boom. This is when I was like, I don't want to know how much time is left because if I see like there's like a minute left, I'm going to be like, ah, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Like I knew that I was really close to the end. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how this is going to end, but I feel like it's not going to be good. And the bus driver is, like, driving faster and faster and faster. And then he basically Tokyo drifts around a corner and gets stuck. And then it kind of becomes, like, Furious 7, where there's, like, the <laughs> Very bus Furious 7. teetering over the edge of the cliff and Brian mm -hmm. has to run out. But instead, we've got all the gold on one side of the bus that's hanging over the cliff. And we've got all the people 
on the other side of the bus. But like when they're getting up, they're like in no rush. Like guys are picking up their beer glass. You know, guys yeah. taking off his, his shoe as he gets up. Yeah, I don't know, man. They they didn't seem very very excited to just get back to the other side. They just thought this bus was gonna fall. On the last episode, Brian was talking about. So the, okay, so the movie ends. There's like 14 guys at the front of the bus, and there's four million yes. dollars in gold at the back of the bus. And yes. Michael Keane is like crawling toward the back of the bus. The last line of the movie says, "Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea." Uh, credits roll. Yes, another fantastic ending to a movie. Just like, hey, you wanted it's an perfect. ending? Here's an ending. It's perfect. It's it's the best ending. I'm glad that there is no resolution. I like it ending on a on a literal cliffhanger. Yeah. Like this is perfect. Michael Caine in an interview gave a gave a solution for how he would do this. It's not something that I would have thought of, so it's not something that I would say. This also really reminded me, because, you know, like, like like we mentioned earlier, last episode, Brian was like, how would you solve this? It reminded me a lot of Hyperdrive, too. Remember the leveler? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's kind of like the leveler. I feel like they're fucked. Like, I feel like there's no way that they get the gold. Like, I feel if they're able to get any gold from the stack, like, if you start, if you start, if you're able to get any without it all falling, I think you could probably get it all, because, like, you're making the front heavier, and you don't care about the back. As long as the back's lighter, it's going to stay up right but like yes do you have any way in terms of your science brain like the the physics of this all like do you see any way that they could save the gold here i don't think and i actually probably think that the gold weighs a lot more than even they're letting on like it's just gold is fucking heavy and they have a ton of it there I think that it's heavier. I think you gotta. I think you gotta push it out the back and then go get it later. We're in the back of the bus for like two or three minutes. Like it's a solid two or three minutes where like nobody, like they're like don't move. And I feel yeah. like they almost waited too long. Like it's it's not like this would have mattered, but like the gold slides a little bit. Like I feel like yeah, they it waited back too further. long. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they waited too long for the weight to settle. I think that if you had acted more quickly, I mean, it might have tumbled, but like I feel like if you act more quickly and pull it toward you, I think just by waiting, they kind of lost the opportunity. Yeah, if the guy who grabbed his hat would have just grabbed a stack of the gold and slid it forward, it would have been a lot better, right? Exactly, yeah. Literally any gold from the back, if you pull it towards the front, I think if you move toward the, like, if everybody moves toward more the front of the bus, like, I googled, I have not read it yet, there's how to, how they could get away with it, but I feel like if you just put more weight in the front of the bus, if you, like, tip the scales even more, the gold should slide toward you. If You, you just need to get the, the, the physics, the gravity... Yeah in your direction, right? Yeah, but I don't think that you could get that far. With the flex of the metal and, like, how heavy the gold is, you know, you're essentially on a flat plane and then the back's hanging off. You can't tip the front down low enough to raise the back up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that makes sense. The fulcrum's, like, at the at the cliff. It wouldn't slide back towards you ever. You would have had to drag it. You could at least steady the front, right? So it's not, like, teetering as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely do that. It, it, most you could do is steady it. You could never tilt it. I don't know if this is a, a term that makes any sense given the nature of, like, science and physics, but, like, almost, like, extend the fulcrum, like, extend the middle weight, right? Where it's, like, instead of just being, like, at this one point on the cliff, it's, like, it's like these six feet are basically flat and even, right? And if you just extend what is Yeah, you balanced. change the center of gravity. So the ending was changed to leave the possibility of a sequel open, which they never did, but makes sense, right? Okay. So according yeah. to the DVD commentary, although never formally planned, the start of the anticipated sequel resolved the cliffhanger ending of this movie by having the mafia arrive in helicopters and lifting the bus back onto the road to recover the gold, incidentally uh-huh. rescuing Charlie and the gang. The rest of the makes movie sense. would then in char- involve Charlie's crew pulling a second heist 
to steal the gold back from the mafia. Oh, okay. There you go. That makes sense. The book, though, has a completely different ending. There's no problems with the getaway, and they successfully get the gold back to England and take it to Mr. Bridger, who tells them, now go and take it back where you got it from. I don't like that, but... That's lame. Yeah. So in a BBC documentary to celebrate his 70th birthday in March 2003, Michael Caine revealed his character's great idea and the deleted ending of this movie as the gang's bus teeters on the edge of a cliff. Oh, The okay, next okay. thing, he says, the next thing that happens is you turn the engine on. You all sit exactly where you are until all the petrol is run out, which changes the equilibrium. We all jump out of the bus and the gold goes over the cliff. At the bottom are the Italian mafia sitting, waiting for the gold. And it says this was also rumored to be the premise for the sequel, The Brazilian Job. Is the gas tank in the front, I'm guessing? It'd have to be in the back. Maybe the gas tank was in the back. I don't know the setup of the car. So here's from The Guardian, and this is from The Italian Job Cliffhanger Ending Solved. I like that The Guardian has a, a warning at the top. It says this article is more than 11 years old. It's like, hey, dummy, like don't share this as like breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Surrey resident wins Royal Society of Chemistry competition with solution that allows the bank robbers in the classic film to escape with the loot and their lives. Let's hear what his solution is. Should they ever get around to shooting a sequel to The Italian Job, might we recommend John Godwin for a supporting role? The Surrey resident was yesterday declared the winner of a competition, blah, blah, blah. I've got a great idea. Four decades on, fans are still, still wondering what it was. Now, finally, we have an answer. According to Godwin, the great idea would have come in three stages. First, the coach would have had to be stabilized by breaking the windows that overlooked the precipice. The fuel tank at the rear of the vehicle would have been emptied by running the engine. And finally, okay. a gang member would be allowed out of the coach in order to stabilize the front end with rocks. I think I don't know if I, I didn't say rocks earlier, but I was thinking that you make the front of the bus heavier, right? Like you just add yeah. more weight. Okay, yeah. There's several sheets of maths here. It was a good long day with a calculator. It's more than 20 years since I saw the film. I remember thinking there must be a way of getting the gold off the bus. He added, I always had an idea of how they might solve this, so when the Royal Society of Chemistry put it out to the public as a competition, it seemed like the ideal opportunity to see if it would really work, to see if it was hot air. It's, they say it's very similar to Michael Keane's thing, which I just read. It says Keane's idea is flawed yep. in only one respect, in that it saves the gang but dumps the gold. By contrast, Godwin's more complicated, nuanced approach ensures that the bank robbers are able to escape while still keeping the loot, an ingenious plan that won him the prize of a three-night stay in Turin. That's cool, and he got to go to Turin for the for the prize. Yeah. That's really cool. Because that was my whole thinking, that like if you get any of the gold from the back to the front, it's going to make the front heavier. Like, yeah, just have like the lightest guy get out and just keep adding rocks or whatever you can find, right? And just yeah. way down the front, and then you can... All you need is like to start the momentum toward you. Like, just take a little bit of gold. Each gold you take from then on will be... Easier, yes. So. I don't know why that it's so scary to drop the gold off the back. Like, you're not going to hurt the gold. It's not like a bomb or anything. So, like, just drop the bus in the gold, everybody get off, and then just go rescue the gold from down there later. I mean, it's probably hours and hours of driving, right? And if you think that the Italian mafia probably knows those hills better than you do, they might get to it first. Okay, yeah, but I mean, you're alive, right? right? You yes. have a chance to get it. Well, as I think, opposed to I think like... what Michael King's like, I have an idea, boys. It's like, I have an idea, like, we can, not that we can survive, because it feels like, it feels like nobody is concerned with living. They all want to make sure they don't lose the gold, right? And I feel like his idea True. is like, yeah. here's how we get the gold, so. That's a cool thing. I didn't know that the gas tanks in the back that makes sense run the engine until the gas tank's empty i like the rocks in the front the same thing would happen if you started to push a little bit of the gold off the back too you know what i mean yeah like if you drop like a couple of them 
and you start to move it, then you can maybe move some of them forward, but I guess maybe it would have tipped the bus. Even getting, like, the smallest, uh, lightest guy to go towards the back and pushing a couple off, and then bringing a couple into the front, like, you could get rid of some and keep some. That makes sense, though. That's cool. I like that What you need is, like, a drone with, like, really high weight capacity so you can just like fly it back there it doesn't touch anything you could gold is so heavy dude so here's some other trivia uh the silver aston martin db4 thrown off the cliff by the mafia bulldozer was a fake car the red jaguar e-type smashed up in the same scene was restored in the 90s and featured in a uk classic car magazine the lamborghini Miura. mira which featured in the opening scenes was recently discovered in a secret car park in paris and bought by a collector in Wales. Oh, a secret car park in Paris. They just had it. I guess so. That's very cool. There was also, like, I saw um, some trivia that was, like, if you watch the Lamborghini getting thrown down the hill, there's no engine in it. Like, the whole front just, like, crumples. <laughs> Makes Yeah. You think about, like, how much it would cost to just, like, wreck a car, and, like, you need to make sure that you get it right, and, like, I don't I don't blame you. You know what I mean? It's just, like... No, it's perfect. It's, like, okay, what's the most expensive part of the Lamborghini? Probably the engine. Body, whatever. It's it's expensive, but not the most expensive part of it. Okay, you throw the body down the hill. You can even use a fake body, but, like, as long as you have the engine, you're like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Um, I thought something else that was interesting that I noticed was the Lamborghini drives into the tractor, right? the loader yeah in the beginning the other loader crumples all their cars right Mm -hmm. the loaders were all caterpillar brand loaders okay although lamborghini started making like lamborghini was first known for making tractors so they were using like american caterpillar loaders nothing beats american american muscle cars american muscle although over there if we were of the same argument you would be like no i like domestic i'd be like no it's all about that import (laughs) (laughs) I would still like domestic if I was in Italy. I love Italian cars so much. Oh, on that note, too, the black cars that the mob bosses are driving, right? When they, like, drive away after they smash up all their cars. These are Fiat Dinos, okay? And these are so fucking cool to me. Enzo Ferrari's son designed the engine for, so it's, like, a Ferrari engine in a Fiat body that was also designed by this design house. At those times, you had, like, a few of these design houses, like, Pina Farini designed, like, a lot of the Ferraris, right? Like, a lot of the classic ones. Okay. And they'd be, like, really beautiful, and everybody would be like, oh, my God, it's a Pina Farini Ferrari. So this one was, like, I think it was Bertoni Design House designed this one. As much as the cars that they were driving away in were Fiat's, they were essentially, like, low-tier Ferraris, right? Because you had, like, a Ferrari engine in it. They were designed by this design house and kind of, like, overseen by Ferrari. So I was like, oh, man, these are really cool. And I was just, like, looking them up. And you can get them for, like, even, like, 67 ones, you can get them for, like, 30 or 40 grand still. And I was like, that will be such a fucking cool car to have, right? They kind of look James Bondy. Like, they kind of look like an Aston Martin a little bit. I mean, a lot of these cars kind of had a similar styling back then. The Fiat Dinos are fucking cool. Yeah. And you have a Ferrari engine in it. Like, how cool is that, it's right? Like, yeah. This is something very similar to the Fast and Furious franchise. Michael Caine could not drive at the time the movie was made and has never seen <sighs> driving a car. The only time he's assumed to be driving is the cut between when he picks up his Aston Martin at the garage and in the next shot when we see it outside the hotel. Yes. Kane gets out of a stationary Aston Martin after a further cut. Throughout the drive to Turin and in the entire heist, Croker is always a passenger. That's true. I didn't I didn't even think about it, but he's you have a good point. Yep. He was very upset, apparently, at the U.S. marketing efforts for this. He said that the, the movie did not perform well at the box office, according to him, because of a misleading advertising campaign. The U.S. poster featured a scantily clad 
woman with a map on her back kneeling in front of a mafioso holding a machine gun, which is, I, it's the same, it's the cover of the DVD, like on Criterion, I think everywhere. It's just, have you seen this one? Yeah. It's like, it looks like Prison Break, kind of. Yeah, I think this is the movie poster that they had on, what did I watch it on? Crackle? Like, that's, this is like the Crackle. movie poster, I think, in America. Yeah, there's no cars, so that kind of sucks. This looks I like, it. it looks like a Scarface kind of movie. And it's called The Italian Job, yeah. so you're like, eh... I mean, it's four years before... No, it's 14 years before Scarface comes out, so, like... Here's a Blu-ray one that must be, like, a different... Like, a UK one I'm sending it to you. Yep. That one with, like, Michael Caine and, um... The Three Minis. Yeah, like, that's that tells minis. you what it is, right? That's... Yeah. Yeah. This is what you want. When promoting this movie in the US, Keane saw the poster became so irate... He immediately flew home, which is, you know, not the best reaction. I get being mad, but, like, maybe it didn't do well here because he refused to promote it. Who knows? Yeah, he comes over, he goes, ah, fuck it, and just went back. That really windy road that we presume connects Italy to the Alps to UK, right? In real life, only leads to a restaurant. And on the first day mm. of Saturday, it was brilliantly sunny, and they shot beautifully. Like, it was just like, this is perfect, this is the best day to shoot. But then, there's a huge line of cars on Sunday because the restaurant is incredibly busy on Sunday. And so they had, like, <laughs> roped off part of the road to like shoot the drivers and the cars got so mad that they broke through the police cordon the shoot had to be aborted then over That's the next so two Italian weeks of them. it rained and rained and rained and then snow came down by the time they had finished shooting they had to sweep snow from the road that's so Italian of them that the Italians were like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Just went yeah. anyways. So they shot a scene and cut a scene in the heist where the Mini Coopers drive across an ice rink with the cars gliding mm. past each other to the accompaniment of Johann Strauss's The Blue Danube. The scene was cut for timing reasons, but was included in the Channel 4 documentary The Mini Job, which appeared in the special edition video. But they kind of get it with the, the mopped floor part, right? It's kind of yeah. the same thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where the cop's uh, motorcycle wipes out, right? Yeah, exactly. The Charlie Croker, Michael Caine line, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off, was voted by a UK movie survey to be the most memorable line in any movie. It's a good Damn. line. Damn. It's a good one, and you definitely see that in the Italian Job remake, right? Like, yes. And you see it in Rico and Tego. Yeah. Very reminiscent of them, Always too. overzealous explosions. The green police car was an Alfa Romeo Giulia Super, favored by Italian police in the 60s. Yeah, Alfa Romeo, for so sure. So this is back to what I was saying before when we started the back half of this. Fiat immediately saw the potential for product promotion and offered an unlimited supply of Fiat 500s, plus top-of-the-line Lambos and Ferraris, plus $50,000, if the producers would use Italian cars instead of the minis. The minis stayed, though, because they were seen as quintessentially British, and one of yeah. the themes of the movie is us first them, Britain versus the rest of Europe. Yeah, if they would have used Fiat, it would have kind of lost some of its edge, right? Like, you would have lost, like, the whole fuck the Italians type vibe. Right. Paramount Pictures chief Robert Evans wanted Robert Redford in the lead role instead of Michael Caine. Interesting. I don't know how that would work, right? You know, Robert Redford's awesome, but, like, Michael Caine's great in this, so I don't know. I guess we might have confirmation bias. You know, like, we saw this version, so, like, why would we want... Exactly. So the scene where they're driving through the sewers and, like, driving, like, way up on either side, the camera car was a mini Moke, M-O-K-E, that preceded the Coopers and was driven by one of the guys' team... I think just a cameraman's team, maybe. The guy, he, or maybe he's a stunt coordinator. And he was excited about the scene as he wanted to complete a 360-degree barrel roll, essentially getting the Cooper upside down on the ceiling of the Ooh. sewer. He tried three times, but the slippery algae caused problems, and the Mini ended up on its roof three times. The car oh, was geez. so badly damaged that a fourth attempt was ruled out. 
Sound mixer John Aldred com- claims that the Re- that Remy, the stunt guy, I think, did a complete barrel roll in one rehearsal, but the cameras weren't rolling. It was the only oh. stunt in the finished movie to defeat him. Damn, that sucks. Oh, you were mentioning before the Lamborghini Mira. Uh, it has a top speed of 170 miles per hour, 270 kilometers per hour, which is one of the fastest cars available at the time. Yeah. The license plates in this have a lot of meaning. So the oh, red mini has the license plate HMP729G, which stands for Her Majesty's Prison, and it's also Charlie Croker, Michael Keane's prison number. Oh, okay. So there's a little bit of nod there. The white mini has GPF146G. This is Grand Prix flag, as referred to by Birkinshaw. And the blue mini starts with LGW, which refers to London Gatwick, and then the flight number that they would have taken, the flight they would have taken if they were successful. Ah, that's cool. Right? That's very cool. Actually, so this is when they were filming the bus over the cliff, uh, the camera helicopter's downdraft started to tip the bus over. The stunt crew had to hang on to the front of the bus to stop it from falling thousands of feet into a reservoir. Ugh, jeez. And then the last bit of trivia about this movie before I do a couple things about the remake was that Michael Caine confirmed that this movie ended with the criminals not getting away because the censors wouldn't let them show criminals getting away with a crime, which is just like a, come on, guys. Yeah, what a lame, damn, weird time. So I went through the trivia of the remake, because I was like, I bet there's, like, references and allusions and whatever. So at one point, I think when they're spying on Edward Norton, probably, Edward Norton, I think, is watching this movie. You can see Michael Caine from this movie Uh, on a TV in that house. That's cool. That makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. What annoys me, but I guess it makes sense, sort of, is that the screenwriters never saw this movie before they agreed to write the (laughs) script. And so they watched it once, <laughs> and they said they didn't want to copy the movie, but they wanted to make their own, but they wanted to be inspired by the original one, which is just like, okay. Ugh. Alex Garland, who who just did Devs, but he also more recently did Ex Machina and Annihilation. Like, Annihilation is based on a trilogy of books. And okay. he read, I think, each book once, and then never referenced them again, because he's like, I think the same thing, which is like, I want to know kind of the story, but I want to tell my own version of it. And, like, his movie is awesome, and the book, like, I'm not crazy about the book. I think if I had read the book first, I might like it more. So, like, I think in certain ways it makes sense, but here just like, guys, like, maybe instead of making a gloss-up, <laughs> slick 2000s action movie, like, pay a little bit of loving respect to, you know, the movie you're taking the name from. Yeah, yeah. Mark Wahlberg's character is Charlie Croker, so the same name as Michael Caine's character. Charlize's character is Stella Bridger, obviously the same family name as Bridger, Mr. Uh, Bridger in this one. Yep. Scenes take place in the village of Kanazai in the Dolomites, which is part of the Alps, so they filmed in the same okay. mountains. So there's James Bond screenwriters to these two people wrote the first draft of the original screenplay, which was of the new one, I mean, which is a fairly faithful remake of the original with a prologue set in World War II in which Charlie Croker's father tries and fails to recover the gold, tying the film in with Kelly's Heroes, the other heist film these guys wrote who wrote the original. Mm, interesting. So this movie takes place in the 70s. I don't know how that would work. That's a, the timeline's a little fuzzy there, but they tried to do it, and they're like, we got Seth Green and then a Napster, but he didn't get credit for it, so like, that's what this movie's about. Yeah! <laughs> the last thing is that after stealing the gold back from Steve, which I think is probably Edward Norton, Handsome Rob buys an Aston Martin, and so obviously Charlie Croker yes. in this movie was picked up by an Aston Martin, or picks up the Aston Martin in a parking garage, so a little bit of a connection yeah, there. A little bit of a connection. And that's all the trivia. There was a lot of trivia for this, but it was all cool stuff, because I mean, again, very cool movie, very fun movie. This is a great movie. I think that if you guys didn't watch this, you should watch it. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't watched it before. Well, I also feel like nobody talks about this movie. Yeah, I don't know why not. 
it's weird. And what's really crazy to me is that, like, I love this movie so much, and I gave it five stars in Letterboxd. I mean, probably whatever, but, like, I was in the right mood for it, and it tickled everything. Like, Mike gave it four stars, which is a great score, but, like, none of the other people I follow gave it more than three and a half. Like, people aren't crazy about this. They just don't connect with it or something weird? I don't know. I think it's fun. It's quick. It's enjoyable. Like, this is a good watch. It's funny. It's action. There's car chases. There's cool cars in it. I, I liked it all around. But you will appreciate this. The top review on Letterboxd is from Film Ape Five Stars. The review says, Even with two 19-year-old girls in the bed beside me, the most exciting event of the night was watching the getaway at the end of this comedy masterpiece. <laughs> Sigh, comma, the life of a movie nerd. Oh, and don't ask. Which is just <laughs> all right, man. He was he was going full Mike, Michael Caine in this, right? I guess so, but I, you know, don't ask. Uh, I don't know. We won't. Well, all I can hope is that when we do on Friday, Gone in sixty seconds, I have a feeling that because Tarantino is so nuts about it, like I also think that like they don't re. Well, you should remake bad movies to make them good, but I feel like most movies that get remade, especially in the two thousands, are good. Are yeah. good originally, right? So like I feel like yep. we're gonna be on a streak, but like I don't know. It's gonna be so hard to top. American Graffiti into the Italian job. Like, this is two... These are two great movies. These are two back-to-back... Yeah, two back-to-back slams. I agree. We got lucky with these two, and I, you know, I have really high hopes about Gone in 60 Seconds, which, if you want to watch, is available on Amazon Prime for free. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so there's there's really no excuse to not... If you want to... I mean, if you don't want to watch them, don't watch them, but, like, if you're up for something, if you're looking for a good movie, this is available legally to watch for free in a couple different places, like we said. Gone in 60 Seconds is available to legally watch for free on Prime, or just, if you don't have those, spend a couple bucks and watch them because like this movie is great like this movie is fun it's short it's action-packed it's funny i don't know what more you could want it's perfect go watch it it's enjoyable i don't think anybody will complain about this one it's per- it's really good that's why i think like you know if we continue to alternate actor focused laughs with just like themed laughs like the actor laughs are gonna be cool because like we watch brian and all these different movies you know we're gonna watch other people in future laughs without giving anything away you know who's coming yeah like these laughs where it's like you know classic car movies or new car movies or cops and robbers or heists or whatever like we can just pick like all these movies that we should have seen forever ago that we just never <laughs> I did know. yeah i like it uh, we're crossing off so many things off our like movie bucket list and just like all the car oh, movies and like sure. there's still so many more that we're just like yeah cool like there's more yeah whatever yeah and you're always chasing new like new dreams too you know what i mean so like we could always throw in like a bunch of new ones like we saw like a lot of great movies so far this lab yeah that i would have never seen like yeah. or i just like saw in pieces i still have not been able to stop thinking about american graffiti though so i mean that's just it's burned into my brain it's so, so good i don't think that's out there legally for free anywhere i think you have to pay to rent that i own the blu-ray so that's why i didn't even look also worthwhile Watching. Definitely. Any other thoughts about Cha 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 or The Italian Job? <laughs> no, no. Go watch The Italian Job, the original one. It's a lot of fun. Well, like I said, on Friday, we're going Gone in 60 Seconds, the original, which I know nothing about other than it's not that Angelina Jolie bullshit. Yeah, same. I'm excited to watch it. I love the I love the Cage version. I've seen it like a million times. So yeah, I really I'm like that one. I don't one. love it the way that you do, but comparing that to it. like I would between that and the Italian Job remake, I would watch that movie ten out of ten times. Like they're like everything about yeah. that, I just think is fun. And I more like fun. the Italian Job remake too. I'm I'm a fan of it. It's a different movie. Like it's not trying to be this movie, but like compared to the two, like there's this movie is it's funnier and it's cooler. Like everything, it's it's less slick. I think, but like. Yeah. This movie's just like I think better and more fun. It just it's it was it caught me off guard how much fun it was. It's a lot of fun. For all things too fast too forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash too fast too forever, or at too fast too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. 
Come back on Friday for Gone in 60 Seconds. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com. Become a part of the Gallo 24. I will handwrite you a letter and mail yeah, you some stickers. Do that. We're closing in on episode 100. Episode 100 is we've got a lot of weird stuff planned. We got a fun yeah. name for it. I thought of so it's going to be exciting. We got that's in I guess four weeks from today, right? So coming cool. up soon. Coming, it's coming up, up real close. Very Damn. very soon. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast Too Forever. Peace out. You hate.